You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Spirit of the party starts to come alive till the day is dawning. You can oh. throw out all your blues and oh. hit the city lights. Cause there's music in the air and lots of loving everywhere. So give me the night. Hey, all night, tonight. Just give me the night. The night. Tonight, so come on out tonight, and we'll lead others on a ride through paradise. And if you feel alright, then we can be lovers, cause I see that starlight look in your eyes. Don't you know we can fly? So give me the night. Get it, get it. Bottom. Tonight, just give it a night. I love a little George Benson. You George know? Benson is my guy. I do. I love him. Yes. Praise the Lord, niggas. Praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome back. Welcome, blacks, to getting grass. If you don't, if you're not aware of of uh, George Benson, and you're a youth them who listens to this show. Go get yourself familiar get with familiar. the catalog. You know what I'm saying? Um, I try to bring you tunes. I try to bring some for the young people, and I try to also bring some for you all to go so that we can keep our traditions flowing. George Benson did a beautiful rendition of Heat Wave's Star of a Story, oh, yes. but it's still not quite like the original. However, Give Me Tonight is is a, a staple in the black community. Yes. And I wanted you all to have that today. Well, that is your moment in black culture. With Thank Jade you. of all Jades. Thank you. How are you doing, sis? You know. How's everyone? I'm well. I am tired. You know, I know everybody thinks, you know, thinks I just love organizing, and I do. But <laughs> I'm really that's grateful. What that's what you do. It's what I do. But I'm grateful that all of the projects that I have uh, been doing and, like, the reorganization to set myself up. Is starting to come to an end. I don't want to focus on projects forever. I want to be able to like set proper routine for myself. That's going to, that's going to feed me. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, let's not always have something to focus on. Let's wrap this shit up. So it's, I'm feeling good about that. I had a home girl come, uh, shout out to Whitney. You all remember Whitney yes. from the HBCU series. Um, she came from Rotterdam, from the Netherlands, yes. and stayed here for a week. Had to take care of some business. So that was nice to get some time with her here in the crib and 
Um, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel good. Had a nice weekend with the friends and, uh, now I'm ready for fall and winter, like quiet. Mm. It's I, like, I'm feeling that, like, I'm really ready for that. <laughs> really ready for that <laughs> rest. Um, so yeah, I feel good. How are you? I too am ready to, to slow <sighs> down and ease into the last and final yeah. quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I am just coming back. I was on the West Coast uh, latter part of last week. Had to go out yes, you were. to Seattle for work. It was my first time in Seattle. Seattle is a funky little town. Okay. Ain't it? I Told enjoyed you. I enjoyed myself. Um, and I feel like Seattle is prime real estate for people watching because there's just so much to see. I didn't get a chance to I do much sightseeing, exploring, but I will be back next month. So I hope that I'll be able to see the city a little bit more. But mm. I got an opportunity to go and handle the business that needed to be handled there. Yes. I will tell you that that flight out was no hoe. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's no I spent, <laughs> I spent the larger majority of this weekend trying to get my body back on the East, uh, Eastern Standard Time Zone. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it's a quick turnaround. Um I was only there for like two, two and a half days. So to just sort of fly back in time and then fly back into the the future or in the present, yes, I DeLorean. guess. Whew, man, it was, it was giving like, <laughs> wow. Okay. So I spent a, a greater part of this weekend trying to catch up on some rest. Um, and just really sort of what time, what is it? What, what the day is? Uh, I but, know taking those naps where you wake up, you don't know what time it is. Yes, all of that. Yes, yes. but all in all, I'm safe and I have what I need. Um, like, there's lots going on in the West Coast right now. I wasn't aware that there that um, the, the <clears throat> wildfires are still burning in Idaho, and there was a good, oh, yeah. um, a very thick, like the air quality in Seattle was probably the worst ever yeah. anywhere mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i mean you could really see the smoke in the air which was interesting flying into the city and out of the city yeah it was really wild and so i had the opportunity yeah. to sit next to someone who was a seattle native and said mm-hmm. that you know usually they're you know accustomed to the wildfires you know burning during the summer months but never had mm-hmm. it been well into october and the fires were still right. burning so i know on my way out uh, it had it was raining and everyone was very excited to sort of get get some rain to hopefully mm-hmm. um, not only ease in um, addressing the fires but to also hopefully improve the air quality and get some fresher air. Yeah. And um, and so I'm um, mm. my thoughts and prayers are with everyone who's out out that way and having to deal with that Absolutely. because that was not easy. That was that was a thing to have to contend. That with. was um. That was when we went on that family vacation last mm-hmm. year, I told you, and just, you know, driving through the Redwoods, um, we were coming from Portland and driving down the coast. It was so disheartening and heartbreaking to see what the fires had done to so much of the foliage. And while the the trees out there are just ancestral and mm-hmm. monstrous um and powerful it's still sad to see what it's done and then like they have this green film that's all over a lot of the trees for when they've tried to put out the fires and it's just really sad so i'm with you on um sending our love to everybody who has to contend 
with that and sending love to the trees and to yeah. the planet because yeah. it just deserves so much better than what raggedy ass fucking humans have done to it it's really oh something to see and um i got i also had an opportunity to sort of kick it and spend some time with some colleagues that i have at that tribal colleges and learn mm-hmm. a little bit more about the indigenous history of the area where we were yes. it, it was was really awesome um and just just a dope experience uh so uh shout out to everyone on the pacific northwest yeah um, shout out to the pnd i enjoy i enjoy my time there and we'll be back again very very soon very very soon and we actually have uh one of two amazing and brilliant guests who is representing for the pnw this week so i can't wait for you all to get a little bit of that kitchen table talk because it's fantastic but before we even get into that let's head on over to this trash let's do it A la basura. I just mixed two languages. Two entirely different languages. But please. Uh, (laughs) It's time for the trash. You know the trash is our pop culture, politics, and all things in between current events. Sure, you're right. Uh, So I thought I'd start off on on a very nice black note and ask you, you know, Babyface has a new album out. Yeah, right. Yeah, you did you know that? Cool. Yes. I wondered if you would had any intention on listening. I had I had no idea, but I will yes. give it. <laughs> I don't I sure. I well, why wouldn't I? I would love to sort of see what Kenneth Edmonds has been up to. I'll give it a run through. I we know Babyface right has been it. wonderful with um adapting to sounds of the times you know you know he was able to adapt to the new jack swing era and big and soul and r&b okay this is for the cool and you is forever gonna play in our minds as we think about that scene from family matters but he's featuring uh new artists such as dochi okay and um Okay, this is extremely problematic, and I'm I'm willing to put that disclaimer on it, but it's very funny, <laughs> and I don't subscribe to most things that he oh, says. God. But Lil Duval posted a picture of LMA and Ice Spice next to each other, and he called them. It looked like, <laughs> they look like clean and dirty same person. <laughs> oh, and so LMA's on the album, but as soon as I saw her picture, all I thought was. <laughs> Clean oh. ice I'm sorry, I know. I'm trying to be a better person. But anyway, back to the point. Uh baby face. I'm sorry. I'm growing and evolving every day. Baby face uh is trying to tap into the younger community okay. and like, you know, align with younger artists. And so I'm curious to see what he does with artists like Dochi and LMA um okay. on his new album. So I just wanted yes. to see if you were hip to that and if you intended on giving it a listen. I was not, um, but I will give it at least one listen. Yes. I will as well, and we will report back. We will. Is this coming out gonna- this week? I feel like hold on let's see if it's already out because if it is we're gonna have to work on these promos oh baby face let's see okay so come on out tonight I just don't know when I think of oh 
Baby, it's out. The album's called Girls Night Out. Oh. It's got, okay. I'm going to tell you everybody oh, that it features. Oh, Lord. Angie Martinez. Oh, God. Lala Anthony. Oh, God. Ari Lennox. Okay. Kehlani, Ella May, Queen Nigel, who's not Nigerian. Coco Jones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we just talked about that. Yes, my Tiana Major. <laughs> Tiana Major 9. No Tink, idea. Baby Tate. Okay, Baby Mooney Tate. Long. Um, not A Marie, but somebody who I am a Ray. Okay. Seven Streeter, Takei, Maid. Who is this? Strangers I don't know who to that me, is. But I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know. This. And Dochi. I, I, I recognize about 75% of the name. So I, maybe Listen, 85. The title is what blesses me. It says the iconic Girls musician. The iconic yes. musician gathers R&B luminaries for yes. groove heavy jams. <laughs> <laughs> groove heavy! <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, he's like, I want you all to know that this is your winter anthem. You well, know how Drake all always... Anthony doing? <laughs> but, but I don't. Kia, I recognized her name, but I did not recognize Bless why. every heart. Well, it's just an interlude. It's only 38 seconds. She probably told Exactly. Him. And it's with Angie Martinez. Maybe they're having like a moment. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, okay, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here curious. for Babyface giving the the youth a chance I, I to benefit to from He's his musical genius. That. I think yeah. that this is good. I'm actually looking forward to giving this a stroll. And I'll now that through. I think about it, he actually has probably been promoing because I feel like I randomly came across a babyface video the other day of him him doing one of those like tiktok change situations go and ahead. i was like baby well, what the hell is babyface doing <laughs> he's doing something TikTokish, and so I, it was on instagram though but i said i just want him to see what is he doing but now i realize oh he's he he has an he had an album come out so and here i am over here still listening to whip appeal <laughs> and will continue son. to what do you mean Hey. All right with me. Hey, hey. You got that whip appeal. Come on and whip it on me. Better than love. Sweeter. They don't beg like that no more. Oh, you've got it. Oh, you've got it. Oh, you've got it. You've got it. You've got it. Keep on whipping on me. Whatever you want. Hey, it's all right. It's with all right with me. Here I am over here. That is my jam. See? That's forever a jam. Period. I'm you know what here. else I'm still playing? What? I'm still playing the deal. I only think of you on two occasions. On two occasions. When, girl, when, when? That's day mm-hmm. and night. Listen. Yes, and you'll go you. for what? I'll go for broke if I could be with. Yes. See, niggas don't talk to you like that no more. They you don't. Right? You niggas will slide past and say, "What's your IG?" It's fucking foolish. lazy ass sloths. Listen, fucking, we back in 1988. We back in 89. Listening, and, and baby faces out here with the young people making songs with. I'm grateful with young baby Tate and carrying on. Go ahead, okay, all right, and Dochi, all right, Seven Streeter. Go ahead, baby face. We do have sad news to report. Oh, um, no. If you have not already heard, uh, Leslie Jordan has passed away at Listen, the age of 67 years old. As a fellow hunker downer. I yeah. am not well. Yeah. yeah I was I'm extremely, sad. I was heartbroken to learn because, you know, we know 
baby face, baby face. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Leslie Allen. <It's> okay. <laughs> we know Leslie Allen Jordan from classics like Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and even American Horror Story, those kinds American of you Horror know, Story, all Drag kinds. Race, and I mean, for all of my mass singer lovers, he's a he's a mainstay guest judge down to the mass singer table. Yes, he um, is. But one of the blessings that came out of that treacherous uh, panna cotta that we we've, we've all lived through and survived was that With Leslie, Leslie Allen Jordan Instagram to, videos. Yes, he took to social media in such a way that made us all feel. You know, like he helped us to get through some very trying, difficult times with his Did. his infectious personality and laughter and his comedic genius. I love him. He's another fellow church baby, okay, who at any yes, given point would burst into a hymn. So, you know, he was my okay. kind of people. You understand? Or bless the Lord Help or bless whatever. The Lord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, and he cussed. You know, he was Baptist. <laughs> yes, he, exactly. <laughs> Not Kojic, he was Baptist. <laughs> So I really related to him in a particular way, you know, but very sad, sad to hear that yeah. he, he passed away in such a tragic and unexpected way this morning. So I know that, uh, you know, his mother and his sisters are still living. And so we are absolutely praying for his family, his fans, yeah. everyone whose life he touched. I will I will miss him. I will, I will very, very, very much miss him. And I'm really very sad deeply. to hear of his um, his passing. And I'll be praying for his loved ones. Yeah, very much awful. so. Um, if you need some some recent Leslie Jordan footage, go take a look down at his Instagram and see all that he was doing through the pandemic. Literally to as early lifted. as yesterday, he was still posting. Yeah. And also go look at... Um, not the not the latest season of All Stars, but the I believe the last season of Drag Race, where he was a part of like the Rusical, yes. and you know he was the mainstay as a judge, you know a guest judge down at Drag Race as well. Um, he's just he's just such a light and a has gift. been such a light and such a gift, and we he will deeply be missed. He will deeply be missed. Um, we love you, Leslie. We do. Mm, that just it made me so sad yeah. to hear that I did to not read expect that to, I did not expect to hear that this or see that this morning on social media mm -mm. so I, when I did see it I had to take a beat I was not good yeah. I was not good yeah I couldn't even put nothing about it initially cause I was, I was like, like oh what? this hurts this one hurts yeah. this hurts that was not um in eye rolling news oh lord god mm hmm get ready so if you don't know who Angela Means is uh, there is a term that we use as the black community that has also been co-opted uh, wow. from a cult classic by the name of yeah you know they love to take stuff and use it um, It's it, but it's uh, part of one of our cult classics by the name of a movie called Friday and it is, a, it is a term that we all use to dismiss somebody and that would be by Felicia well 
Angela Means is the actress who played Felicia. <laughs> and I guess she was recently interviewed and got emotional. Sick of us, honey. She's about <laughs> being made fun of over the past of 30 years for Felicia. And when I said, when is somebody going to say, hi, Felicia? <laughs> How many Felicias do you know? And listen, while I get your sentiment, girl, while I get it and I understand because I know a lot of people who suffer uh, from the the illness that is drug abuse, I also am rolling the fuck out of my eyes at you because it was a movie, it was a comedy, it is a cult classic. Felicia is actually an iconic character. How many people have dressed up as Felicia for Halloween? How often, how many times do you hear by Felicia during the work week? Like I said, they've even tried to co-opt it into some of their spaces as well. So please miss me with this character that you played. If you irritate and be like, I'm irritated that I've been typecast. Talk about that, but do not act like <laughs> do not sit up here and act like you have suffered the hands of extreme trauma because niggas <laughs> are making Bless fun of Felicia, a character I in a movie. I thought as <laughs> much as Friday is on TV, I hope she's still getting checks. And I if hope so, so too. Maybe that's what she's really mad about. <laughs> if she know. is, it's like, girl, I mean, you got, sometimes you got to take the salt with the sweet. Just go on to the bank. It's actually a nice balance. You get, get you a frosty and some fries. You know? And know that you and will forever be recognized as an icon. Okay. <laughs> Off of a movie that was made 30, I was mean, Friday even girl, 30 years ago? Friday wasn't 30 years ago. It might have been, though. Let me think. Because, no, not 30, because I wasn't 10 when it came out. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. But it is something. It's like, oh, well, bless every heart right now. Bless, I guess. Uh, Girl, I was... Oh, it came out in 95. Oh, so I was in the 7th. So maybe it was almost, almost. Almost. Wow. Huh. That's crazy. Wild. Um, so, all right, girls, you all have heard the news. Have we? Renaissance 2023 tickets were auctioned at the Wearable Art Gala, which is hosted by Miss Tina and her husband, Richard Lawson. Yes, Lord. And so... You know, uh, Blue also made an appearance. Mama has more money than all of us. Um, (laughs) But the tickets were auctioned and the girls are losing their minds. And waiting patiently at the door, waiting impatiently at the door, because now they've completely gotten over the fact that they don't have no visuals. They're like, fuck those visuals. When is this motherfucking concert going to hit and when is she going to announce it? But we know that that was we know Beyonce is very strategic and very intentional with all of the moves that she makes. She knew it was going to leak that those tickets were auctioned and she's just setting you niggas up. And it's it's happening. So I will see you all at the 2023 Renaissance Tour because my face will be in the place. Also as well. Yeah, it will be in the place. I cannot wait. Still also haven't stopped playing the album. As well. <clears throat> Last up on the trash, positive news. Um, I could not name one song, but I love to hear about a young black man who a young black person in general, actually, who is able to overcome this wretched, awful system. Lil Dirk has uh, officially his his five felony charges have officially been dropped. Oh, amen. Um, 
And so, you know, I just it's been too many people who have not been involved uh, in bullshit who have innocently been convicted of felonies and um, crimes and have spent time that they're not supposed to spend in prison. And so, you know, when we can see a small win, we're grateful for that. So shout out to Lil Dirk. Uh, Congratulations to you. I'm glad that you are going to have your freedom. And that's it. That's it for the trash today. I know that's right. We have a special shout out segment for you all, and it's a full segment. So I think you should sit tight uh, because we're getting ready to have a good time over here on the shout out. Make sure you all tune in next up for our bet on black recap. Okay, it's takeover. It is. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. is popping right now, All right, it is time for the shout-out segment. And it is a special shout-out segment for the next few weeks. Okay? This one here is brought to you by Target, Revolt TV, uh, Bet on Black. Fall is here. It's time to shine at work or school with Black-owned products from Target. Keep looking your sharpest with the Houston White for Target collection. Wake up with black and bold coffee. Write down what's on your mind with Be Rooted journals and stationery. Stock up on black-owned brands at Target today because when you invest in yourself, you're investing in what's next for the black community. Black beyond measure. So, with this very special shout-out segment, we're going to give you all a recap of Revolt TV and Target's collaboration for Bet on Black Season 2, Episode 1. Yes. So... They air we on Monday be, nights, I believe, at 9.30 yes. p.m. Um, Eastern, Eastern Standard, Standard Time. Time. And then they'll stream um, on Revolt uh, TV on the apps um, the next the day. The following day. Yes. Yep. Yes. We would be remiss if we did not mention the very handsome, oh, illustrious, the debonair, just tantalizing the charming guest, and uh, charismatic host. Dustin Ross, everybody. Dustin Dustin Ross, Dustin Ross, everybody. I mean, were you not beaming with pride? I thought I found myself watching the TV and showing all of my teeth. Just like, would you just look at Dustin? I was watching it. I smiled. (laughs) First of all, as soon as I heard it, because his voice came up before he did. In the voiceover. And I'm watching it, and Noah and Tristan walk in, and they're like walking in on on a part of the episode. Mm -hmm. So they're watching what's going on. But then Dustin pops up with his next cameo and Tristan goes, hey! And Noah goes, is that? Yes. That's Uncle Dustin? Yeah. And I say, yes, it is, girl. You see him on TV? I'm so proud. I mean, one time for the whole team, our brother, our family, we're proud. You know, it's just good to see um, uh, you know, people flourish. We, We shouted out our friend Alex the other week. Just awesome to see how, you know, we came here, we all got into the game, came to grind, and to see the evolution um, and all the awesome, amazing work is really, really, it's just a dope feeling. So shout out to Dustin. We're proud of you. We love you so much. And y'all, make sure you check him out. He is a very capable 
and okay. entertaining well, host. He just You want to talk about a natural element? I mean, I mean, there's just an ease with which he sort of guides mm-hmm. us through this experience. And so for those of you who don't know, the Bet on Black yes. show, it's, think it's giving like, you know, a black shark tank. Yes. And, uh, you know, they've collected, I believe, 12 entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to come together in front of a panel of judges and pitch their business uh, ideas um, and the mm-hmm. ways in which they're envisioning scaling up their business for the broader market marketplace um, to the tune of two hundred to a two hundred thousand dollar cash prize. So the winner of the of the uh, show will receive that money to invest in in his or her their business. Um, and it's just yes. dope to sort of see, you know, us sort of keeping it in the family and throughout this process, as these uh, business owners are pitching their ideas to the panel, the panel is also sharing some really dope tips and advice for anyone who is an entrepreneur Absolutely. or starting a business or cultivating an idea uh, in any form. Yeah. So I love the energy of the show. It's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mm-hmm. so dope to see people working towards uh, materializing and manifesting the dreams that they have. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. And the the other dope element about it is that even with the grand pot prize being two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, first of all, the premise is beautiful because mm-hmm. one thing that Dustin mentioned is that Target is spending two billion dollars with black businesses by the end of twenty twenty five. That's their commitment. And so I love that Target is intentionally investing into our community because that's one thing that we've been lacking for so many yes. years, right? Because of a deficit, obviously. Um, a deficit and 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 just unfair treatment of our community. So I love to see uh, people with power and money come through to want to help us to uplift ourselves exactly with resources. And so the grand prize is $200,000. And the dope thing is that every single week, even with that grand prize, each business is walking away with something. Each entrepreneur is walking away with something that they're able to invest into their business. Yes. And there are no losers. There are no losers no. Um, because no. not only are these businesses and entrepreneurs getting access to this huge global platform through Revolt TV and this TV show. And we're all sort of learning about their businesses and Googling yep. and Instagramming, searching their names while while the show was on. I certainly did. But, you know, you know I was everybody, <laughs> everybody that, uh, you know, even if you're not selected to move on to the next phase, you still walk away with some sort of cash prize, sort of seed money, whether that and be also you walk away with with us being able to see your business this like is what i'm saying said, like that's what i'm saying you get the platform yeah. and you also get a little a little check you don't walk away empty-handed which i love because that's there right. are no losers and it's just it really just shows the way that target is investing in business owners so it's not just the winner takes all but everybody walks away with something to, to grow their piece. business and um so, so there are no losers so I, I i love i love that so let's get to it um the structure of the show is we're now sort of ident- we're in the I think the semifinals. So of these twelve, uh, yes. you know, three are randomly s- selected to pitch before the judges each episode, and then you know at the end of the episode, uh, they rank those three in terms of third place, second place, first place. The first place moves on to the final round. Um, yes, um, and but like we said, the second and third place also walk away. I think second place walked away with twenty k and. And mm-hmm. um, third place walked away with 5K, which is nothing to say. With 5K. At. Hello? No, not at all. Hello. I would love, y'all, y'all can give me 
two hundred dollars. I'm gonna figure out how to flip. <laughs> period. It. And I so. walk away. It would be such a, a a heartfelt thank you very much for this hundred dollars. I mean, appreciate I, you. I I, I do not take my it for granted. To lunch. Thank you. I do not. Not even a little bit. No, that's so right. I, grati- gratitude always. Period. So we start off with our four wonderful, wonderful, beautiful judges. Yes. Okay? Tell us who the judges are. Empowering to the black community. We have Pinky Cole, the, a slutty vegan. We stand. Which is so awesome to and see. And so good. For, as two people two who staunchly love meat. committed me. carnivores here. Okay, we're talking <laughs> meat eating. We are wholeheartedly yes. committed to consuming all of the Lord's animals. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. From the Ruta to, to the, the Tudor. Period. Point blank. But I say that to say that I have never been disappointed by a slutty vegan burger. No. And it's almost no. to the point where you, you're like not. I mean, it just tastes good. You don't even question whether or not it's uh, vegan or or. You don't. You just be eating it like this is bussing. So and she's franchised. Mm -hmm. Pinky just opened up a location here in Brooklyn. So it's really awesome. I heard there was one in Harlem on the way. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. So let me see. Mama's on fire right now. It's It's, giving. Then it's not lost on me why she's one of the judges of this. It's giving growth. (laughs) It's giving. Yeah, (laughs) it's giving growth. I remember when Pinky was on a live. Um, a, a guest on the live show at the Friend Zone. I remember when Pinky brought that food truck down to the live Friend Zone in Atlanta. Yes, and it was like, look at her now with locations. Okay, brick and what mortars. mortars. So we got Pinky Cole mortars. of Slutty Vegan. Yes, we have Ron Brown, which is the VP of Community Impact at Target. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's giving you black man uh, CEO. He's yes. giving you executive. Yes, I wear my jeans and my blazer. I'm a cool exec. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> We have Remy Ma, who looked absolutely stunning. incredible, I mean, stunning, gorgeous. I really, <laughs> hello. Okay, and we remember Remy Ma. Okay, Remy Ma is just has. We have watched her grow, bloom. She we has have bloomed. watched her evolve. She has bloomed. Okay, she is a because a rose. <laughs> yeah, it's still a rose. rose. Come on, Rita. Okay, and baby girl is definitely a flower. Yes, but indeed. we have Remy Ma. And last but certainly not least, How okay, creator of Rap Snacks, yes. No Limit Records. I mean, a venture capitalist in his own right. A filmmaker. I'm about it, about it. Man. I don't know if you all remember that film, but Master Listen. P. Percy Miller. Man, man-made mogul. Man-made Percy Miller. mogul. You know what I love about Master P? Listen. I understand this is a sponsored segment, but this is also an episode of Getting Grown. Uh, (laughs) Masterpiece said, every stereotype that you all have about us black men, I'm going to take that and I'm going to flip that and I'm going to do it the best. And I'm going to to make some money. I'm going to make a boatload of money off of it. And I'm going to make sure that my community eats and my family eats. And you all can never say anything about me. Masterpiece said, I'm going to play sports. I'm going to (laughs) rap. I'm going to do all the things. And I'm going to do it phenomenally. (laughs) Thank you very much. We going to eat. So those are our four illustrious uh, judges. Masterpiece, Ron Brown, Remy Ma, and Pinky Cole. So... Next up, we have our 12 contestants. We were introduced to all 12. Uh, We will get Mm -hmm. down to the three and some specifics, but I'm going to go ahead and start shouting them out. We have Deirdre Roberson and Dr. Alicia Gabriel of The Lab Drawer out of Detroit, Michigan. Kalila Mm -hmm. Wright. Kalila Wright of Mess in a Bottle of Baltimore, Maryland. (laughs) 
Okay, a wait fan. a minute. Okay, because I got plenty messing plenty. the bottle t-shirts in the drawer over there in the plenty. other room, okay? I, I was can't wait for this episode because I'm going to come prepare. I'm going to put my mess in the bottle on. Oh, I know that's right. You know what? Let me find mine as well and put that on, okay? Yeah. Made by a black woman. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Renee of Poe Up Games of Capitol Heights, Maryland. Aaliyah. Looks like a time. Gonna the, buy me a box. Oh, you know, and you know we're going to play it here, right? Okay. Oh, we're yes, gonna get we are. Good Down slizzard to the right on the getting grown. You all get to see Dr. Kia drunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Aaliyah Maraniz of Sugar Dough out of Austin, Texas. Brittany Golden of IGL Nels of Long Beach, California. California. What what is a California? Uh, Brianna Arps of Mudo, Atlanta, Georgia. Kimberly Mm -hmm. Smith of Marjoni Beauty out of Washington, D.C. Samantha Mm -hmm. Edwards of New Breed Meats out of Lexington, Kentucky. Nichelle and Nicole Nichols of The Guilty Grape out of Dallas, Texas. Eric Adams of Dog and Whistle out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Tiffany Neal of Barlow's Foods out of Atlanta, Georgia. And Shiva Amari and Obi Aloha of LA Beauty Club out of Los Angeles. So those are our 12 contestants. Mm -hmm. So they uh, they did a game of pick a random name. And that's Random, how we got randomly selected the first three businesses that are that are going to pitch to the judges mm-hmm. and essentially let them know the concept of their business. And the judges ask them how much their business has garnered so far, how much they've invested into their business and what they're all about and what the future of their business looks like. Yeah. What they plan to do. So L.A. Beauty Club was up first. Yes, um, we stand. We stand the concept. Black-owned. Yes. We stand a black owned and operated beauty supply store. Okay. Absolutely. Now we have discussed on this show how important the beauty supply store experience is as a culture as a as a modicum of cultural expression. Okay. Absolutely. This is a place where we go to get what we need. Okay. Yes. And this is a multi-billion dollar in, uh, industry mm-hmm. that uh heretofore has been monopolized by folks who are not black and women. Yeah. Or I feel like they said three percent maybe are owned or black owned, which is yes. absolutely yes. nuts. Way because ninety nine percent are black frequented. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nuts. And so, what we love about LA Beauty Club is that this this is uh, 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 they are they are specializing and focused on um, promoting black owned products mm-hmm. um, and also uh, providing um, convenience, customer service, and good vibes, which yes. we love. So they you also do like community events there and um <clears throat> what i love about it is that they're they're embracing the cultural experience that is the beauty supply store because um, the beauty supply store like, is more than just a store right it's an experience yes, and for what us Yes. And they and they have maximized upon that by making L.A. Beauty Club like a one stop shop. Mm-hmm. You can not only th- go there and get your edge control and your rat tail combs, but you can get your lashes done. You can get your hair done. You can get your nails done all down to the L.A. Beauty Club. Yes. And so it is brilliant. It is a genius idea. It makes all of the sense. And their plans, uh, 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 you know, eventually is to franchise and to, yes. you know, create beauty clubs, you know, throughout California and the rest of the country. Which and is going so to create more it, opportunities for black business owners, uh, being yes, that and, we're such and, a small percentage of, of the owners sure. of the beauty com- uh, community. And I love that they're also, as a part of their business plan, looking to get into wholesaling. Yes. Um, and um, wanting to to 
to provide other opportunities for other product developers and yep. um, creators to sort of also have access to to more platforms and more means to generate income from their from Absolutely. their businesses. So it's it is it is a business that will eventually be self-sustaining um and they started out um online and mm-hmm. sort of transitioned to the to a actual brick and mortar mm-hmm. and um you know have made pretty good profits in just in just a year's time and just and so a, yeah was, they so um, they're looking to also create products because they talked about how they were had some things in trademarking and mm-hmm. all of that so mm-hmm. it was dope to sort of see it was a a a male and it was a man and woman partnership. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch the episode because you know what I love about us is we gonna get right in your business. Let right me quick. tell you something. <laughs> and we're on TV with no, with like no shame about it <laughs> whatsoever. They're like, no, hold on, hold on. Listen, hold on. so y'all, Master B was like, so y'all dating. <laughs> so what's happening? What's happening Uncle with Percy this? Uncle Percy is not together? coming to play with y'all. Because listen, we got to get down to it now. If y'all is together, we can't have the emotions messing with the business. Like, so, right. so, so I love that. I love that it's real straight to the point. You know, yes. no chaser. Yes. Um, and you know, it seemed like they were prepared and ready. And and even though they have sort of negotiated some different phases of their relationship, yeah, allegedly, <laughs> both of them are in a, in a place where they are better as business partners, and so yes. they're moving forward with that. Um, so we love to see, it. and I'm interested to see, you know, you know, hear, hear more about LA Beauty Club. Absolutely, in the future. absolutely. Um, you know, they did talk to them about, like he has said, about creating their own products and being able to. Mm-hmm to put their names on those. Um, and that's, they said that's what the goal is, but of course that's going to take investment and more money. Uh, and so their physical location has made 50 K thus far. They did 20 K their first year online. Um, and they've been in business for about a year and a half. So that sounds like, like a nice growth to me in a quick amount of time. You know what I'm saying? So for sure, uh, we're really excited to see what they do. And I love that the opportunities that they're looking to create, um, for other for other black people in the community. Next up we have Poop Card Game, which is Liz yeah. from Maryland, okay? Uh go she's ahead. from the DMV. Um and this is my kind of carrying on. So it is a card game that is designed to um uh highlight and celebrate and educate people um about black excellence. It is it is a card game um, that is geared around the black collegiate experience. And yes. I love that it is the black collegiate experience at both HBCUs and PWIs, yeah. which I think is an important, uh, you know, uh, distinction. It's an important, um, you know, a, you know, a lot of times there's so much out there that tries to divide us. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, there's always this either or this, and, and, you know, we always fighting. We're not allowed um, to the, the matter both end. Yes. The mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, you know, uh, there is there are some sort of cultural markers and and um, highlights and hallmarks of the black collegiate experience um, that do, you know, deserve some shine. Absolutely. And 
I mean, listen, it is, it's about toasting black excellence. It is about uplifting and amplifying, um, the, the great work that we do despite the obstacles and barriers to our success in post-secondary spaces. And so, you know, that's mm-hmm. right up my alley and my kind of carrying Oh, you on. know, I thought about you immediately. <laughs> oh, I'm, I was like, okay. So when I'm, I literally placed my order last yesterday, was like, okay, well, because I've got to play this I game. Said, this I said, this is for Kia and Dr. Bridget Turner Kelly. Like, I this is who this game is for. To, <laughs> I want to get to the mess. I want to see what this is about. And it sounds like a high time. Um, so what I love it, like I said, it highlights the unique experience of black collegians. Um, it's in... It started out. This is one of the the businesses that has benefited from Target's accelerator program. Yes, and she said that since they they started, um, they've moved about a thousand units and have grossed approximately thirty five thousand dollars, which is nothing to sneeze at. Okay, no, not at um, all. Because. I, I think that this is a very unique concept and I think the judges really connected with it. Um, and there's just so many ways that this can sort of be expanded mm-hmm. um, and um, over time. And I can just envision all kinds of ways that this game, I see it being played like, you know, it's sort of like a game show setting, mm-hmm. like at a college campus. It can also be played, um, you know, just amongst friends at the at the kickback. So, so I think there's a lot of a range here. Um, and I just love I, I live for the idea. I do. And I love the point that she brought up about being at a, um, you know, uh, selling. She was a sell street 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 fair. And a customer asked her about white excellence. Well, what about white excellence? And she said, you know, it doesn't matter if her products is made in the USA or veteran owned. It's the unapologetically black that's frowned upon. And that's what turns people off. And she wants that to be her strength. She wants to make sure she's like, I, it doesn't matter if this is not for you. There is a community that this is for. And so I love her outlook. And the judges also spoke on, her being one of the most organized of all yes. of the contestants this episode. Um, she's really gotten her, th- her gotten it together. And so we're definitely going to play us a game of Poe up here on Getting Grown. Make sure you all stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. Last up uh, on this particular episode was Dog and Whistle. Um, so we have Eric Adams, mm-hmm. <laughs> LOL, of Dog and Whistle, uh, who also has a day job. In addition to yeah. multiple businesses that he's running right now, um, he lost his mother at 10 years old and he's essentially creating this lane so that he can spend more time with his children. So he's trying to create a lane of passive income while also focusing on uh, sustainability within the community. You want to give him a little bit about Dog and Whistle? Yeah, this is genius. I think this is a genius concept Agreed. because it, it is literally you know, this a solution right to yeah, it's a solution to two problems. So the model, the business model for Dog and Whistle is that it's about upcycled dog treats where they take human waste and turn it into um, uh, dog food, um, a sustainable means for <clears throat> a sustainable means for for caring for the planet and for caring for the planet's animals, yep. which I think is is so good. And what I love that it is you know, addressing the food waste problem because it talks Absolutely. about how many, and, and you know, as uh, through your experience in the service industry, Jay, how much food is disposed of um, on a daily basis. <sighs> And it's really just heartbreaking given the amount of people who are without and the Mm -hmm. people and animals and, you know, people who are struggling, 
creatures, I guess, who are yep. who are without, who are uh, under resourced, uh, underserved, and don't have you know the basics to get by. And what mm-hmm. I, I love that this is addressing that and and upcycling what is considered waste and turning it into something. And I just think that that also also speaks to that's our strength and superpower as black people, honey, we know how to make a way out of no way. Oh, absolutely. We know how to make something out of nothing. And I think that this is really, really, he is really onto something with this because what, what city, city, state community doesn't have a food waste, uh, issue. And this is a way to, to address hmm. that in a way that, um, also, you know, it's like, you not only am I getting good, you know, sourced, uh, human grade food yes. for my pet, yes. but I'm also helping to address, uh, some, uh, a waste management issue Absolutely. <laughs> um, in my community. So it's like a uh, win-win. Absolutely. Win-win. He also owns a cafe in addition yeah. to another business as well, um, in which they all kind of tie in together. But so far, he's invested 50K into his businesses and grossed about 60K in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once we met all three of these contestants, now the judges have deliberated. And <laughs> I love how Masterpiece focused so much throughout the episode is making sure that L.A. Beauty Club's feelings don't get involved in the middle of their business. I mean, it felt like he was speaking from some place of experience. <laughs> right? Like, I was like, let me tell what's you. going on here? I've done, been there, done that. Well, P did that, you. so listen hopefully you Percy. ain't got to go through that. Listen, listen <laughs> to Uncle P. This not what you want to do now. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so we love that. We do. We do. Um, so they that was essentially what they said about LA Beauty Club. They love they believe in them in a friend as a franchise. They love the community aspect of the business. Uh, they love the organization aspect of Po Up. And then they mm-hmm. really feel like Eric Adams of Dog and Whistle was on to something. I'm sorry, I can't get yeah. over the fact that this man's name is Eric Adams. <laughs> um oh so once they deliberated, uh Dog and Whistle came in third place. Some of the constructive criticism that the judges gave is that he needed just a bit of fine tuning, uh, but Mm -hmm. he has a great idea and a great product. And if he just kind of focuses on that lane, then... And Piggy gave him some solid advice. Solid! I mean, very solid. Like he should just sister. Literally, like, this is what you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is what you do. This is how you sort of, you know, make it a one-stop shop. Like all these multiple ideas that you have, consolidate them, make your products available. Um, Yes. And this is how you sort of stretch your money. This is how you uh, maximize on your proceeds. So let's, let's get it. Let's get it popping. That's why I love that. It's like, there are no losers here because I mean, of course we would love. He had a dog cover. I mean, it's giving like what I mean. Dog I was going to say even nicer than Kava. <laughs> it was giving like, like <laughs> yeah. It was giving like oh wow. Okay, this is this is classy. This is, this is classy boots. I bring my dog in here classy. and get a lunch. We can sit down and, and have I a don't meal even together. dog, but I would be like okay. I know you don't. Send your pets. Send your pets on down to the La Pup Cafe. Get La what Pup. you need, girl. <laughs> so I thought I that was awesome pet. that he still walked away with a $5,000 investment into his business. Look Second Trill. place. Trill was like, true. You, you hear her? She's like, how come they don't have a, a, a cat cafe? She's like, what about us? I want parts. <laughs> so, Trill is like, and another thing, okay? Don't leave me out. <laughs> She's like, we deserve. <laughs> Second place was Po Up. 
Um, yes, they indeed. loved they loved Liz's concept. They just said she just has to fix a few things. And if she takes it national, she kind of expands out of the mm-hmm. collegiate aspect and kind of takes this on a national level. Kind of how, um, you know, like Cards of Humanity and all that or Black Card yeah, Revoked have a made expansion packs. Yeah, very me. much so. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Also that you can purchase that at Target. <laughs> but they said, you know, once you go national and you're able to sell to everybody, you know, but be owned by us. That's that's where it really comes. And I loved mm-hmm. that bit of advice from Uncle Percy. Uh, so she mm-hmm. walked away with a ten thousand uh, dollar win or an investment towards mm-hmm. her business, um, and obviously, LA Beauty Club was first place. Uh, the couple, LOL. they move on to the finals. Yeah, <laughs> they, they moved move on, on to, to the finals, finals with a twenty thousand uh, dollar prize that they walked away with uh, from this particular episode, and they get to compete in the final episode, which you all will also get a recap of as well. So that was the first. That was the first episode of um, Bet on Black. It was Black. a good time. It was, it was a, a great time. time. Oh, I'm excited to hear from the uh, to hear about the rest of the businesses. Yes. Um, and I just love to sort of see the sort of ingenuity and innovation that comes out of our our, our community. Yes. And it's so awesome to sort of see this to to see our work being amplified on on this platform yeah um intentionally and it's just a dope opportunity for everybody involved absolutely um, even us i'm grateful thanks Me too. thanks for letting us recap the joint <laughs> thanks target because we're a part of this i'm inspired well. okay yes, 20 indeed. billions of dollars black into black owned businesses <laughs> thank you we're black owned business <laughs> thank you so make sure you all tune into bet on black every monday 9 30 p.m eastern standard time on revolt tv again you can get that digitally as well on the app the following day and make sure you tune in to Getting Grown. Okay, so obviously, you know, we're coming out a bit later in the week over the next few weeks. So make sure you tune in weekly for the recap of Bet on Black, in addition to all of the other fun things that you get weekly from us and awesome guests. Um, and we're going to move on to this kitchen table talk. Let's get it. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Oh my goodness, we are back for The Kitchen Table uh, friends, I have to tell you that this is a bit of a milestone for me because um, this is a person that I probably, y'all hear me quote this person probably just as much as I quote my mom and my grandma. <laughs> yes. I'm always saying, uh, Dr. Friesbury says, um, and today's the day that I get to share this space and I get to share one of my favorite people, some, two of my favorite people with with the getting grown family. So I would like to welcome to the kitchen table, Dr. Sharon Freeze Britt and Dr. Bridget Turner Kelly. <laughs> welcome ladies. Yeah, thank you. So Sharon and Bridget are here. Um, I don't know. This is not something that we have ever highlighted on the show, but October 27th is, is recognized nationally as national mentoring day. It is the day where we acknowledge, um, 
mentoring as a, a tool and best practice. Um, and also we acknowledge those individuals in our lives who serve as uh, mentors, people who teach and, and instruct and advocate and comfort and care for us um, throughout our various personal and professional lives and trajectories. And so I am doubly blessed to not only have found mentorship in Sharon and Bridget, but they are also women who have published quite extensively on mentoring and their their journeys as um, mentors of one another and of other students um, that they work with and serve. And so we are very honored to, to welcome you all to the kitchen table and just sort of mm -hmm. uh, have some, some conversation about um, mentoring, the role that it has played in your, in your, in your lives, um, how it's a part of your personal and professional practice, some things that you've learned through it, um, and that kind of thing. We're also going to get to know who you are as individuals, but these are my favorites, guys. So I'm a little geeked. <laughs> to share yes. um, because I love these women very, very much. So just in the way of introductions, I could go on and on and on, but I will allow them to introduce themselves. I'll ask Bridget to kick us off with an introduction and then ask Sharon to follow up. So Bridget. Well, thank you. What a treat. Um, anytime I can be in the company of beautiful black women, I'm very excited. I know that's right. Uh, especially uh, living out here in Portland, Oregon. So I am Bridget Turner Kelly, go by she, her pronouns. Um, I've been faculty member um, for over 20 years and now um, have the pleasure of working with um, Sharon Friesbritt and other beautiful black women at the University of Maryland, um, associate professor in the higher education, student affairs and international education policy program, also um, diversity officer for the College of Ed and graduate program director there. Um, and I think um, really just really blessed to be learning with um, so many talented um, black women, people that have peer mentored me and um, we'll talk, we talk about our book, people who are in a different rank than me, full professors. Um, and so that has been something that you, you know, I missed for probably 15 years of my career. And now I've been at Maryland back for five years and just forgot <laughs> how good it could be. So um, that's a little bit about what I'll say. Awesome stars. All right. So let me just, um, my heart is full. It's always full anytime I'm in the space with um, just uh, women friends like this. It's just so powerful. So, um, you know, Dr. Robinson, I, 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 we've been saying that for a number of years now. I'm just so proud of you and the work you've been doing in this space. And same thing with Dr. Jade. I'm going to give her that. That's it. Oh, <laughs> oh, she's going to be insufferable <laughs> now. Please, we're not going to be able to yes, deal with that's her. Okay. That's Lord okay. mercy. Disgusting, days. honestly. Lots, lots of days to have that title. It's our degree, sis. We were... Say that again. What'd you say? No, I'll be, you say? me and Jay often joke because Jade, I never shared this with you, but Jade and I <laughs> talked on FaceTime every day I was writing my dissertation. She earned that degree. And, okay. so, <laughs> and so we often joke that my PhD is our degree because she, yes. she was. I didn't even, you never told she me that. She was very I'm, much there for, for I me. I was at the, the defense. Yes, I didn't know was. what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> But I was there in the back. <laughs> it felt like a hundred people at that defense. I know there was, it was a lot of people. My, my, my tribe showed up for me. 
one sure. tribe show up at the defense, <laughs> which is wonderful. But as, as you know, as Dr. Robinson said, um, professor at University of Maryland, it has, I've been at the university, I think I'm 37 years now, started my That's career okay. administration, been in faculty life for 26, 27 years. And um, it have lots of ways in which I identify my life beyond the academy. Actually, that's probably central to how I think about mentoring is I don't think of the academy as my anchor, my only anchor. It's a part of where I feel like I do my my work and my purpose in life. And so I feel very honored to um, really be invited in spaces like this with colleagues who were formerly once, quote, a student. And I always say to them, you're only in this role because it's a role. Same thing with like, you know, Bridget Turner Kelly and I, Dr. Kelly and I are have been in um, community with each other for two decades or longer. And so, you know, in every situation, what I say is we are each other's connection to this work. And so I feel very blessed to, um, while they acknowledge me as a mentor, I acknowledge that it is really bi-directional. And so I feel like I get so blessed. So I'm excited to be here, looking forward to just sharing some of our humble thoughts with you all. And thank you so much for the invitation. I feel like we are getting grown because yes. to be invited to the getting grown space is a big right. deal, right? I know, I know I've been on, I've been live with y'all prior to COVID and yes. I am impressed with people coming from all around the country to this getting grown space. So deeply honored to be here. Oh, Dr. Sharon, may I, if I may start off quickly before I pass this on to Kia, I'd love to know um, to both Bridget and Sharon, your, a little bit of your background and what brought you into the work uh, that you do, like what, what led you in that direction? So I'll start, I actually, I always say to my class, I never thought I was going to be a faculty member. I was not intending to be a professor. I was an uh, administrator. So I came into the academy in ways that are pretty um, typical in the sense that I found it through my practice as, a, as an undergraduate leader. I worked with all these administrators and wanted to know how do you become one of those. So got a master's degree, started working in college university settings. And long story short, I literally, once I started doing my doctoral work, I was actually one of my mentors at the time who was my dissertation advisor Jewish white male who actually said to me, you're a good writer. You're a good thinker. You ought to consider the academy. And I was like, no way. I'm just trying to get through this process. But then I had a few other people suggest that. And that's how I uh, indirectly, as I was studying high achieving black students and very passionate about that and very passionate about reportreting the image of black academic capital in the academy, because when mm. I was coming through, it was much more it was very much a deficit mentality of who we are and how we show up. And I became mm. very committed. And of course, I'll honestly say and I'll end this. I prayed on the invitation to go in this route. I actually spent a lot of quality time asking, is this the right turn for me? And I can certainly say 20 something years later, it was clear this was part of the journey I was supposed to be on. I love it. It is obviously very clear. I've been in spaces with you multiple times and you're not only such a beautiful, brilliant black woman, you're a beautiful speaker and mm -hmm. your spirit is so gentle Thank in the you. way that you speak as well. So. I agree. I think this is where you were supposed to be. <laughs> uh, Bridget, what about you? What led you into this work? Um, well, mostly Sharon. Um, hmm. I <laughs> Period. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I always tell people, tell people that I was kind of a lifelong educator um, in education, meaning like I've been in school since I was three years old and I just never left. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, with my undergraduate major. And so then I went and thought I wanted to do politics and so came to Maryland because it's proximity to DC because mm -hmm. I was doing some political stuff when I was an undergrad uh, working with the my state senator in Tennessee and then got my master's in a year and a half went through really quickly and still didn't know what I wanted to do <laughs> so 
I thought, uh, well, I'll just continued going to school because um, I have no idea what kind of job I could possibly get and got ended up getting a fellowship to continue on at Maryland um, for my master's and do my PhD. And I believe it was the semester I started my PhD. I didn't really know what I was going to take, but I took a um, said seminar in higher ed. And I was like, that sounds cool. So I went in and uh, that's where I met Sharon as a professor in front of the room. And um, as I was sharing with somebody, it was my first African-American, um, still to this day, professor. Um, and it just light bulb hit, hit off like in a cartoon where you're like, Oh, (laughs) like hitting over the head. Like, this is what I could possibly do. Um, and as somebody who I uh, really loved, uh, Tanti Sule, um, in Oakland said, Mm -hmm. you know, well, at least she was a good first (laughs) African-American professor that you had, um, because like you said, the gentle spirit, the humbleness, um, the steadfastness, the, you know, persistent work ethic. Um, and then as she shared the family, um, and so it was like a complete package of which I just decided to model because I wanted to have a family. I have two kids now and a partner. Um, and it was a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. I'm home with my daughter now. It's a lifestyle that, um, I feel like I can balance multiple things and be present. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just love pouring what I've learned, what I continue to learn from Sharon and other people into students. It's still my favorite thing to do is mm-hmm. to kind of work with them, talk to, talk with them, help them. They help me. <laughs> um, it's a way to stay young, <laughs> I think, because they, they always get younger and you're getting older. Um, but I, um, so that's how I came into higher ed. And I also have a family of higher ed. So I come from a father who was administrator in graduate school and then was a college president and a mother who was a clinical social worker, but did that um, most of her practice on college campuses um, with students. And so the college uh, university environments, it's one of comfort. Um, Mm -hmm. And even more so, as I said, to be with all of these um, women of color that I get to work with now at Maryland. I love that. Your story always, I've heard your your story several times now, Bridget. What always resonates with me is that I too have been in that place where I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I was good at school. And so I just kept going. (laughs) And it makes me think, as an aside, Jay, remember last week, last week we had a listener uh, write in um, Mm -hmm. and was talking about how you know, she was in a phase of her life where she didn't have anything figured out and she was asking mm-hmm. us what to do. And we were mm-hmm. pretty clear in saying that, you know, there that sort of unclarity or lack of, I don't want to say lack of direction, but there are often many times in your adult life where you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, most of it. Right, most of it. <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> but you know, just you just—it's just about sort of being where you are and being committed to seeing it through, and even being okay right. with not having a final, a yes. final answer. Yes. And um, I too came. Uh, so I came to Maryland to work with Dr. Freesbury, and just before we started recording, was talking about how you know being in school all my life. I still got to graduate school and felt unwelcome, unseen, mm-hmm. um, and unqualified for for mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of my experience. And like um, you, Bridget, I didn't have any African American women professors that I could look to, and so. I I sought out graduate programs because I wanted to work with someone who could show me not only how to be 
and, and teach me sort of the skills and competencies of this space. But who could model for me how to be a black woman in this space? Mm-hmm. And I found that in um, in you, Sharon. And one of the things that from the very beginning of our relationship, um, I, I treasured was I, I instantly felt um, sort of that I could trust you and um, with myself, like, you know, to be my full self. I did not have to shape shift or code switch or any of those other things that we often find ourselves uh, having to do to feel like a sense of belonging in the space. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could speak to sort of your, um, was that something that you always like, tell me a little bit about how your approach to students and is that something that you have have known from the beginning that you wanted to sort of be this? Is this something that just comes naturally to you? Are there because we get asked a lot of times, how do you find your mentor? How do you find your person? Um, but just wanted if you could speak to as someone who sort of sat in that seat, what are the things that you would advise, um, you know, someone who may be like me or like Bridget? feeling lost and, and not sure whether they belong and what they should do. Well, so, um, you know, I was actually thinking about all the stories I could tell about you, but I guess that we don't have time. Cause invite no, me we back. Don't have time. We have we time. time. You're welcome to. <laughs> I went into this fully believing that I would be embarrassed, but it's fine. Well, I have some really good ones. Yes. And not the least of which is actually related to being here on this podcast. Because okay. I remember distinctly, she's very multi-talented, and I'm going to answer your question by answering it through example, if I can. So my approach to people, human beings, is that we, we have titles and roles that are many of the, many different things that we might do. I kind of I kind of basically see any and every person we interact with is a fully capable person. They may not have the same experiences. They may not have had them in the same order or the same time. But when I'm advising or working with students, I see it as a gift and an opportunity to learn from this person and vice versa, right? And that I also, and Bridget will tell you this, I'm really clear, especially when I was starting my faculty career, I actually didn't, I, I tried to convince her not to have me as her mentor because I felt ill-equipped. I was switching my career. I kept saying, you don't want me. I want you to be successful. And the more I was telling her she didn't want me, the more she wanted me. And so by the time I got to you, Takia, because Bridget and I had to trust each other. Like I told her, I've never done this, so I'm going to be mm-hmm. learning. And you've got, it's a risk to take me. And I was trying to convince her of some other women in the department. They were not black women, but women who were full professors who knew the academy. But um, what I knew is I would be honest with her and we'd figure it out. So we, that's the kind of journey we had. So by the time you came to me, I felt more competent in being able to help. But what I saw in you was the need for, like, I'm, I'm a person who I not, might not tell you everything right up front about things because you were stunningly, I have to say this now oh because God. I can say this now Here that you died. I was struck by her just her essence, like um, Dr. Robinson shows Say it us. again. No, she shows up very, so she shows up in my house like this stunning woman. And, you know, the first thing you don't want to say is you're beautiful. I don't want her to think, oh, why is she looking at, you know, but she's just stunning, right? So I didn't tell her for three years. I had to make sure she didn't think that's what I was focusing on. But I would stare at her like, there's not a flaw on her. I'd be looking at her trying to figure out the, like, physically. No pores, oh, no pores. cheekbones, <laughs> neck is elongated, Shut she's tall. It's crazy. I'm just going to call it what it is. It but what nothing also to do with mentoring. was coming out of her was clearly talent and ability. 
but it was, she was always protective over it. And so my style when to answer your question is to just try to understand who people are trying to be and give them that space. Like, I don't see my job as trying to, yes, I got to help people figure out the academy to the extent that what, whatever that looks like, but to not, but to try to honor what people are trying to do in their life, everybody to just to try to honor it and be in a space to hold space for it. And I don't, I'm not saying I do it perfectly and right for everybody in the same way. But um, in your case, as you know, we immediately bonded because I knew you weren't telling me all of your fears. And so we went upstairs in my house and I, you know, because I was on sabbatical and I and I kind of just embraced you and, and took a risk and said, listen, I don't know you well yet, but I assure you, I'm, I, my only goal will be for you to be successful. And, um, you know, Takia sits on her talent. She said on her talents, like this podcast is an example, like it was years into us talking and I could tell she wanted to tell me something she was doing. <laughs> When she finally like, um, she's like, well, I kind of do some other thing on the side. I had to like tease it out of her. When she told me this, I was like floored. I wanted to know. I'm like, wow, you're amazing. But I think she was fearful that I would take her work in this community as a indication that she wasn't a serious academic. And I don't believe that's the case. I think our talent, the Academy can't hold a space for everything we are. And I understand that mm -hmm. as a black woman that we get put in these boxes. And so um, I try to approach it that way in terms of, how I mentor and how I think about students. Even today, the students, people are still coming wounded, still coming carefully, very cautious, um, you know, still trying to figure out how they can navigate it. And it's more difficult sometimes now, but I still try to keep that in mind. And then I send them to you all, as you know. Yeah. I go, you need to call Dr. Robinson. Yeah. Like I'll I call Dr. Bridget Turner Kelly. I just send them out. I now feel like I don't have to do that work at all alone for sure. And I just send them to the network and they, you all pour love into them in ways because I hear it back because they say, wow, I met. And they, and you all are their icons that they, they'll see you all out in the field and go, oh, my God, you're connected to B Dr. Richard Kelly. You're connected to Dr. Tegia Robinson, Dr. Jones. It, they'll name all these people. And I feel like that's the community that we have that undergirds them. And so you all, to me, do the work for me easier now because I've got a community of folks to send to mentor and share that expertise with. That's such a, um, some of the things you said are so beautiful and so poignant as it pertains to mentorship across the board, because you have a, a, a mentality, it seems, where you're able to evolve with what's happening. Yeah. Whereas I feel like a lot of leaders in many different fields, that's what, that's what gets stuck. I, when I was in culinary school, they asked one of the biggest critiques when we were leaving um, over the program, and I said... You know, I think a lot of these chefs are really talented and they're great teachers. But one thing I find flawed in the program is that you all cater it to one way of cooking, yeah. being yeah. in a restaurant environment. And that is it. And I didn't come here for that. I was yeah. like, I came here for other things. And so I feel like you can be more malleable in yeah. understanding that people have little branches that they're going to yeah. take from this foundation. Yes. And so yeah. I find that I, I love that. I love that you I have love what that. you just said. Yeah. That was brilliant. I'm sorry. That's brilliant. Wow. Thank you. Write, we need to put that in an article. I like that. That's the exact same. I told Kia I'm sneaking into her suitcase and I'm coming to the Ash Conference. Yay. I want you to know. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome, Dr. Yeah. Jane. I love Thank you. Thank you. We're so guarded, and I th I love the flexibility of of mentorship. There's no one way. There's no one approach. Yes. And and Bridget, I would love if you could speak a little bit to sort of um, the definition of mentoring because I think as Jay was saying, we've all sort of been socialized in this um, 
this depiction of education that is about making many me's right there's only one way to be successful yes, exactly. there's only one yes. way to be in a certain space but what um i would love if you could speak to through your work what have you sort of seen about how the definition of mentoring has evolved to yes. acknowledge all of the nuance and complexity that comes with yes. the ways that we occupy these spaces yes mm -hmm. thank you um i was thinking a lot of things while you all were talking of course um and one of them, I think, is the student affairs background uh, that Sharon and I both come from. I come, at, I come at it from my parents and my partner. I've never been a student affairs practitioner, but have just loved and been loved deeply by people who are in that field and thinking about care for the whole person, thinking about understanding the whole person. Those That kind of language really speaks to us, I think. And so when we see somebody, we think about the whole person not just this academic or this intellect. And I think because neither one of us, um, we, we think there's already a Sharon, there's already a Bridget. There doesn't need to be 15 Bridgets, 15 Sharons. We're already taken, but there's only one Takiya, there's only one Jade. And so I, I feel like one of my purposes in life is to help people see the light that's already inside mm -hmm. of them. And so helping people uncover that for me has been something that, that's why that one-on-one -on -one time with students is something that I really um, appreciate, but I think it comes from a sense of seeing people um, as whole people <laughs> and seeing people as already talented, as already gifted. Um, and I think both of us have seen a lot of students. Both of us, I think, um, are drawn to marginalized students. And so we see a lot of people who like you, like me. I mean, the reason I, I, I kept telling Sharon, no, I want to be with you is because I had been so beat down and wounded. Mm -hmm by former advisors during my master's program or during my undergraduate that I knew, no, I can figure out higher ed. I've been in higher ed my whole life. I understand, you know, I, I need somebody that I can believe in, that I think believes in me um, and the rest, you know, I can figure out. So definition of mentor, I think where, where we come into this, I think we try to, in higher ed, we don't consider ourselves like a discipline, right? So we try to draw on medicine and law and sociology and all these other fields. And in those fields, I think you have like this apprentice model, maybe even as a chef, as Jade was talking, where mm -hmm. you're just going to kind of follow exactly, you know, especially of cooking, like this is a yes, French technique exactly. of cooking and you have to follow exactly mm -hmm. what yes. that technique is, um, not just feel your way right through the, right. Through the kitchen. Wrong if it's not through this way. Exactly. Um, and you have to hold your knife a certain way and you've addressed a certain way. And I think we pick that up from medicine. We pick that up from other fields, which does not work in higher mm -hmm. ed because students mm -hmm. don't come to us, you know, as these like soldiers and people that we have to get in line and, and follow us. And neither one of us, I think, have a really big ego. Um, and so we don't need people to um, laud us or applaud us or to have all of their um, worth tied up in what we did for them. Um, that's not something that either one of us is, is, it's not important to us. And so when you let go of that and, and you just want other people to shine because that's who they, for both of us, God given creation, who, what they're supposed to do, that it, it frees up a lot and it doesn't put a lot of pressure on you because right. you're not trying to get them to be like you. And then you can show your imperfections. You can show, your questions, your flaws. I always try to find something with everybody that um, I'm mentored by or that I mentor um, that I can get from them in terms of, I don't want them to just see me as a, as a source and they don't, you know, so I'm like, okay, 
this wonderful student we have. I'm like, can you help me with this technology? You seem to know this sense very well, or you've worked with undocumented students. I never have. Could you show me that? And so I always try to put myself in the learner um, role with my students. And so it's not, you know, as Sharon said, one way. But I think for me, what mentorship ultimately means is being in a community and a journey of support with people. And, you know, we've done this model throughout the, the book that we talked about where it's not just one person. It's not just, you know, again, bi-directional. It's, it's being in a community and communities have different needs at different times and different situations. And so it's finding other people who can be in your, your tribe with you. Oh, how safe, you know, what a safe thing. No, please. Oh, I, was please. Say, I was just gonna say that, you know, the Academy is very proprietary. Like, you know, it's my research, it's my students, it's my, and I don't think Bridget and I, like you, I think that's what I hear and what you're sharing, Bridget, is we understood that nobody belongs to it. It's like, it's, it's all a part of our full community. And so it doesn't have to come to either one of us in any particular way, but what is important to you, like pouring out. And I think when you let go like that, mm-hmm. it actually ultimately comes back to you in ways that you, uh, mm-hmm. that you don't expect anyway, you know, but you have mm-hmm. to let it go in order for people to go do what they want to do. That's so real. And so, and so in terms of letting go, both in terms of being willing to and open to share, but also letting go and sort of being vulnerable and being willing to be seen. Because I will say, um, I did come to Dr. Friesbrit's house as a, as a first year doc student, scared to death. And I think um, she was very generous in her description of our conversation. But I was at her house and, you know, everyone, we were all sort of grouped and if the group was together downstairs in the basement. Dr. Friesman said, can I come, can I speak to you upstairs? And I said, okay, no problem, let's go. And I went upstairs and she closed the door and she said, well, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I kind of said something, so I'm she picking said, up something. I was like something wasn't. What is the problem? Like, and I mean, I had to be honest with myself, right? Because I was guarded. I came in with my armor on Mm, because I had been in um, graduate school settings where I felt like I I didn't feel safe enough to just be Takia and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm scared to death. I had to be tough. I had to be stoic and resolute and clear and I had to be I had to perform in a way that made people feel like I was I was supposed Mm. to be there when on the inside I had no idea what I was walking into who these people were what this was going to be like and so I was having all kinds of panic on the inside Mm. and um, you saw through that and you saw that I was so worried about performing in this space that I couldn't yeah, even. Pearls, perfect pearls. Yes, I had. Listen, this was when I had my doobie. Okay, I had my, oh, my hair yes. was straight down with my part oh, side. I had a blazer and a pearls. Okay, and I was being so. I had to be so what I thought it meant to be a doctoral student. Right. That I was not even taking in the experience in any way. And I think you saw that immediately and was like, well, what is your problem? Like, what's Mm. wrong with you? And and she didn't want you didn't want them to know your friends were ghetto (laughs) and that you were ghetto. And that I was ghetto, right. (laughs) That I was I was ghetto. But like seriously, um, 
I think I don't know if you remember what happened when you asked me. Do you remember what happened when you asked me what's wrong with me? Well, I remember there was emotion. I burst was, into tears. Burst into tears. <laughs> like that's when I told what? you. That's when I asked you, could I hold you? Yes. Because I you were, and I said, do you mind? I was shaking. And I just kind of spontaneously held her. We were upstairs in my office, and I had an emotional breakdown. You had an emotional break, and I said, "It's okay, and it's okay." And she talked a little bit about the wounding, but you know what? I, let me say this, and I don't know if um, Dr. BTK feels this. That's Bridget, y'all in the audience. Um, <laughs> but I think part of our ability to give out what we give is we understand that wounding. Mm-hmm. Like we've also, I've been wounded in the mm-hmm. academy. Mm-hmm. I've had to go through. I think I share that with you. Like I've been through, even as a faculty member. That's a another story of another mm-hmm. day. But we can. Most black women have had to navigate so many spaces where we weren't always, um, we had to, it's not just to only proving ourselves. We weren't, we always have to swim against a tide in some way. And so I think if we, and some of us take that and want to may have other people have to kind of go through what we went through. So, um, mm-hmm. and that's just not our philosophy. Our philosophy is we don't need to keep having to spend our energy with these, wo- uh, even though we're going to have them. I still, to this day, have to continue to deal with certain aspects of the wounding in the academy, which is partly why I could see it. And so you took the risk of letting it down and we held um, each other and I was on sabbatical. And I said, listen, just trust if you come to Maryland. And I remember saying to you, I assure you my only job will be for you to be successful and get through. And I didn't even know, I knew your record, but um, I could see that you were, and, and I felt like it started to, at least in that moment, you still had a little bit of yes, armor up. Then I started to melt she a had, little yeah. bit. A but little it, bit, took, but it took some time because I didn't believe it. You know, you know, no, I have, no. I have been, the, 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 we've been burned before, you know, and right. so I wanted I to trust mother, it. Remember, I told yes. your mom, I told your mom when I met her mother, I said, "Oh Lord, your child, because your mother, <laughs> <laughs> what it took to get through to your child was three years." Because work. all of that, those wounds, that trauma, that yeah. trauma, yeah. I see you nodding yeah. your head, Bridget, because you know, oh my gosh, it's deep. Yeah, it's deep. That trauma is deep, and you don't feel safe and and it's so much riding on the decision right I left everything I knew I had never lived anywhere else other than New York I left Mm -hmm. everything I knew to be in a place where I didn't know anybody and I had never been that far away from my family or anything like that and so I was literally here by myself and Mm -hmm. um scared to death and it it took Mm -hmm. a long time for me to to get to get close enough to people to to be in that space and I think that this model, I think we can we call it a model now, this approach to mentoring that is so, uh, you know, antithetical to that that <laughs> conventional way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I love those. So there's like a, a now a seminal text. Right. We can call it seminal because in 2005, you all wrote uh, We Retain Each Other it was an article published in 2005. So close to 22 years ago, you all wrote a piece about your journey um, in, in sort of co-mentoring peer, peer mentoring. I don't know if we can call mm-hmm. it peer mentoring, but mm-hmm. yes, well, what have you taught explain it, but I would love for you to talk about a little bit more about the inspiration behind the two of you finding each other and writing through that experience and how we started to come to this model of, of, um, mentoring that, that resulted in the book that we'll talk about in a little minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because, um, uh, so funny because when I was, when I, when I met Sharon, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in things don't happen by accident. And so, 
it just so happens that that was her first year teaching. You know, that was my first African-American mm. faculty member where I decided I, I want to go on and get my doctorate and be a faculty member. I want to be that person in the room for someone else because it was so powerful for me. I thought, wow, what if it's what if I could do that for somebody? Um, and it was her first year teaching as an assistant professor. And she was like, um, I just don't know if I if I'm in this faculty role, will I be able to help people in the same way? And at the time it was like, well, you're helping me, <laughs> you know, and now I'm able to be, you know, a faculty member. And what I, what I love now in my seat is now, you know, since 1996, I believe when we met, mm-hmm. um, when I met Sharon, fast forward all these years, now I get to see you and Felicia and all, yeah. all of these women. Yes, and I, Felicia. Yes, Felicia, Commodore, Commodore <laughs> um, who's been holding it down with the podcast yes, for Ash. With Royale. So now I get to look back and just that's why I just get so excited for Sharon to see. You see, I was right in 1996 mm-hmm. when I told you if you become a faculty member, you can still help people. It's not yeah. it's not elitist. You're not just only looking at these folks because they're going to help people and they're going to help people and and so on and so forth. Um so this this article, how it came to us was we were unicorns. We you know we kind of looked around and was like, um, not only is she my first, but she she didn't have any colleagues of color at Maryland, at black women at Maryland in, in our area in our program. Um, she still still doesn't right. She's in the higher ed right. She hired a program in Maryland. Still, she's the only black woman faculty member in that in that program, in that concentration. So um, we decided. Years later, after she got tenure and became an associate, and I um, graduated, thankfully, thanks mostly to her and um, helping me navigate some political stuff and became an assistant professor, that there was a story to tell there, you know, that that was a, at the time, a 15 year story to tell in terms of how we had both kind of gotten to this next level and helped each other. Um, in that process. And we talked about using a lot of Bell Hooks's uh, work, um, which is just so, mm-hmm. so sad that we lost her. Um, mm-hmm. But thank God she's written what over hundreds and hundreds of things that we can all read and go back to and listen to. Um, so we used her framework about, you know, instead of instead of like Audre Lorde looking for the master or someone else to follow, why don't we just try to rely on each other and support each other? And so um, that's how that initial article came about. And then I can, Sharon can kind of say well, her, how she thinks it came about and also the book. No, yeah, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. What I would add is it was cathartic for me. I was angry when we were working on that for the Academy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you remember this, Bridget, but I felt like I needed to, um, I had gone through a lot of issues to, to get through the tenure process. And I'm by nature, not afraid to battle. Um, I, and I'm not threatened by losing a job. I felt like I, I can go get another job. I'm not going to, I need to be authentically who I am, but it was a lot of scars and a lot of wounds um, that I had incurred through the process. And I just felt like I needed to, um, when Bridget and I were tracking what we had been doing, like retaining each other was our message of, no, y'all didn't help us get here. We helped ourselves get here. Let's be real clear because we did not get these promotions and this by support of the system. That was just the truth. And back then it was far worse, I would say. It's much better now, but that's because there are a lot more people basically of color who are helping to sort of fight against some of the inequities. And over the years, finding out just how much we were being requested to navigate in um, spaces with no light. And so I was really angry. It was sort of cathartic for me to kind of just 
get it out of my system and to just um, express some of that. And so I did a little bit of, I remember when we first published it, my former advisor who I just, um, he was very good, Dr. Dick, um, Dick Chate, Richard Chate, uh, he had left Maryland to go teach at Harvard before he retired out. And some people at Harvard got a hold of the article. People were reading the article and he said, wow, you did a lot of truth. That was pretty transparent because I told the truth about how I came in on the line. I was like, I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm going to tell y'all all the, the dirt because I just I didn't know, care. He was right. like, wow, that was real transparent. I said, what, what's the difference? I mean, I had to navigate. We have to survive it. Um, but I think that's what has made that piece um, resonate with folks, even though it was just in our story. It wasn't just our story. It was actually something that I think a lot of people could relate to. And one of our colleagues who's now full professor in the field, he was doing his PhD at Harvard. And he said, you know, when he read it, he and his advisor wanted to write something similar um, as two black men, but they, and I think they may have gone on and done that a little bit later, but anyway, so that was the other piece I would add to what Bridget said. And so fast forward, um, when Bridget came back to Maryland, which was like incredible joy and is at Maryland now, even though she's um, in Oregon, it was amazing for me that we've come full circle back. And so um, at Ash in 2018, and then upon the invitation of speaking of the loop of mentoring, it was actually Takia who actually, and this is the part that is just so amazing because she invited us to be on a panel with Dr. Commodore and some others, mm-hmm. multi-generational panel. So it was really, Takia, your invitation back to us at Ash in what, 2018? Yeah. And asked Bridget and I to yeah. join you all on this this um, whole discussion that we at that ash conference which was of course as you know very emotional because we had a packed audience there to come and you could see what people were struggling with so bridge and i when we said you know we need to do a follow-up and i was saying to bridge let's do a book not just a article because it's and then invite other people's stories and you know you all story in there other and to me that's the that's the beauty of this book like the 82 proposals we received for just what 12 chapters so the outpouring was amazing so that's what led to the follow-up so yes we uh so it was colleagues like dr commodore and um kim griffin you know tons of women lord Patton davis all of all of the um so many of us have have read and cited that text um, when we talk about the ways that we have survived the academy by reaching out to one another, um, mm-hmm. we realized, you know, it was like, you know, this conversation is not is not over, right? And the ways that mentoring has evolved uh, over time. Um, so we had a, a a session at Ash, just bringing people together to talk about the ways in which they've used that model, reference that model, and it really did sort of bloom into a very beautiful uh, sort of tapestry of stories. Women, mm-hmm. like you said, eighty-two proposals, but it was even that room was standing room only, filled with women wow. who have read that work, felt seen, and inspired by y'all's brave recounts of the ways in which you leaned on each other through uh, challenging times. And so for us, it was like a no brainer because I don't know if y'all know, and I talk about this all the time, but like Sharon is a legend uh, in that there's so many, so, so many people have come through her, uh, her mentorship, her advice, her, her advisement and have gone on to do great things. There's so many of us who would not be who we are without 
having the opportunity to to learn you know i think about myself i was scared to death you the first person who told me that it was okay like and i was where i was supposed to be and how many other people bridget was sharing how she she had no idea if she was supposed to be but you have been a possibility model for so many of us so this is just one to me super small way that we were able to just make sure that there is a record of all of the great work that you have that that you have done um and so it is just my honor to continue to and I'm going to do it for as long as I can to to continue to give you your flowers and to make sure that you get that you listen there will always be there will always be space and and we will never not do it but I want to um you could talk a little bit more about the book, um, all the different ways in which you've built upon your discussion of, of mentorship and some of some of the new insights and new lessons that we've learned since since the original piece came out. So I'm going to turn to Dr. Bridget Turner-Kelly, who's the lead author on this project. <laughs> hey. Actually centers in more ways than mine have around some of the building of mentorship. So so. I'm, I'm being mentored well, by just her. So, it's just so, uh, yeah, when you were saying, you know, you, it's cathartic because I feel like, you know, every day somebody tries to kill us every mm-hmm. day, and we survive. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want the academy to be a place where it continues to murder black women. And mm-hmm. it's not, and again, for me, I'll just speak for myself, to be able to have a partner to be able to have two kids, to be able yes. to still care for my aging parents, to be able to be there for my sisters, my friends, to be able to have a, a job that pays me to think and be creative. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to shut that off for other people. So if there's a way that I could help open the door, um, I don't believe, you know, like I'm living in Portland, Oregon. It's beautiful out here. It's fresh yeah. air. We should we should be out here, you know. We should be we should be out hiking and and walking. There shouldn't be any space that's healthy that we that we shouldn't be a part of. Um, and so for the book, we um, kind of took a step back and thought about the, the not only the model that helped pertain to us as as two black faculty and different statuses, full professor, um, tenured in Sharon's case, associate professor, tenured in my case. And that was just one model. And it was a very, um, at the time, in-person, we get together quite frequently. Our families get together. It's a very in-person connected. And we were kind of like, wow, there's so many other ways to do this digitally, right? And Black women who type fast and all these different (laughs) ways that you can be in community. And so just the, I'll just overview the four, um, the, the model. And so first is, you know, that possibility model that you talked about, um, Dr. Robinson, in terms of and me visually seeing Sharon as like a real possibility for a, for a career when I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, and so that somebody who's in another rank from you that you can kind of see, well, how did you make this move? And then what did you do here? And how did you get there? So that's um, a type of mentor. And we really, again, believe in a community um, of mentor. And really, we use this kind of slinky model, whereas mm-hmm. a slinky can only move once all the parts are together and moved down. And so we're not leaving any women behind. We're not leaving any people behind who believe that they've been so beat down or so um, told that they're not supposed to be here like I was or told that they shouldn't do the kind of work that they were supposed to do like I was told, like you shouldn't do, you know, this minority work, you shouldn't do this work um, around these marginalized populations, you definitely shouldn't do race. 
Um, but that was the only thing that excited me. And so <laughs> you try to take the one thing that I'm here for and tell me that that's not something I should do. Um, so there's the status. Then there's the peer. I just have to shout out the president of ASH, Association for the Study of Higher Ed this year, Joy, Joy Gales, um, who has been my peer mentor for um, almost around the same time, thanks to Sharon and I presenting at something and meeting her. Um, deciding we were going to support each other um, as two black women. So there's these peers and, you know, Takia with, you know, Felicia and Jennifer, you know, and people that you're in your cohort with that you feel like, okay, we're in this together. (laughs) We're in this class together. We're going to pull each other. No one's going to get left behind. So there's the peer. And then there's the um, inspirational, you know, I mentioned Bell Bell Hooks, people that I, I did get to meet her once, but briefly at Maryland, but people that you don't even get to be friends with or get mentored by but you get to read their work. Mm-hmm. You get to sit in presentations. You get to listen to their podcast and you get inspired. At least I did get inspired and felt like, wow, education can be freedom, <laughs> like mind blowing. And so there's a whole um, inspirational, our ancestors, the things that we don't even get in touch with sometimes that have poured into us that we get to rely on for our strength. Um, and then there's this community Um, like the sisters who type fast and other people where you don't have to just be alone. You can walk into a space like I did at Maryland. Um, thanks to a black woman, Sharon Kirkland, who was there, who did a black women, um, counseling session. It was kind of scary for me. I knew I needed help to I was, you know, in a depression and all kinds of things were going on relationships. And I didn't, it was kind of scary to be in a Mm one-on-one, but to be with a black woman who I trusted therapist who could invite other black women into a joint therapy group that I joined as a, as a doctoral student at Maryland. I just want to shout out to therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, so that's the model it's getting again, like I said, like I talked about defining mentorship as a community. And so having, um, having this people in different statuses, having the peers, having the inspirational, but then also having a community of women. So that's what the book really highlights. I love that. You know, if you go back to what Jade said earlier about being a chef in her field and how the training, I so resonate. I want to go back to that because to me, that's a connection of what we're talking about in this, in this book that it's like being connected to a whole circle of women. They don't have to all be in higher ed, but the more you have, um, learning from people in different contexts is important to surviving the space you find yourself in. It's transferable. So, you know, in our work, we're saying you don't um, have to be in the field to have, you should have these different circles of connection, which is why when I learned about what um, Dr. Robinson Takia was doing with this whole podcast stuff, which was all new, it just totally excited me because that was giving her another community of support to make Mm -hmm. the Academy doable. And so they weren't in conflict. They helped to support your energy and creativity and one of your many talents. So that's one of the reasons why this model is more comprehensive that way as at least one sense of how we see black women um, building those communities of support, how we've built them and how we see other women doing them. And what I'm hoping that depending on what happens with Bridget in our lives, we're hoping to actually do some testing out of that model. Yeah. We have some, we've been sponsored in some research um, to be able to apply some monies towards that. So that's one of the things I would like to see mm-hmm. us be able to do is to test some of that out moving forward. You both said some really, really powerful things, actually. Um, Bridget, early on, you mentioned very specifically, I caught it, about uh, Sharon being a great Black woman to learn from, how, you know, because it can be different. <laughs> and uh, one thing that I've taken from you, Sharon, is that you're not only just gentle with the people that you're mentoring, but you're so gracious 
um, and you're not afraid to give younger people flowers and you want to see them evolve. Whereas I find in many jobs that I've had in many positions, unfortunately, even by the hands of black people, they've been terrible leaders because it can only be one as opposed to wanting to flourish. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, and that's so powerful, right? And then you said you were angry for a period of time because of how you were treated. And so I I find that to be so beautiful that you took that power and used it in the positive direction to make sure that other people didn't feel like you as opposed to being a nightmare and a terrorist. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because that happened. Because you could be. (laughs) That's what can happen. And no, no, no question. That's what can happen. But um, Bridget will tell you, I get happier and happier the more diverse our group gets. Like I am just like. In fact, I was thinking I was going to be leaving Maryland. I was like, well, I'm staying now. We got all these folks. I'm going to stay a little bit longer. That's right. I can't leave now because this is the heyday. Like, you know, we have a new, um, our colleague, Dr. Griffin, is the dean of the college, black woman. We have, Mm. I'm like, okay, I need to hang out a little bit longer because (laughs) to me, I have never understood this. I'm the only one, like being the only black woman and, or, or just even conscientious people. We have a lot of conscientious folks in our college right now, Mm. um, many of whom are black folks, but also other folks of color that we're just in an exciting different place. And I'm not going to just say Maryland, other places. So, I mean, I may go somewhere, um, you know, who knows what um, spiritually and what divine grace has in store for me, but Maryland right now, the more it's when we have all these women of color, it's just, my joy factor is, is just percolating. I don't even have to, I sit back and say, oh, they about to get you like a Dr. BTK coming in, Dr. Like it's so many options. I just get to sit back and say, mm, y'all in trouble. I just write a note. <laughs> because we so are I all trained it. to go at this point. What's like, what was it? Oh, okay. Cause that's right. what happens. That's the beautiful thing about the community. And I love that, you know, we are moving from the, the title of the book is building mentorship networks to support black women. And that right. is, I think that's, that's, uh, speak to, you know, it is going to take all of us, right? So we're not yeah. leaving the slinky yeah. model. We're not leaving anyone behind. Yeah. And what I've always yeah. felt in community, um, with with you, Sharon, Bridget, and just all of all of the the huge network that you've built, is that there's no competition. There's no sort of sense of mm-hmm. of uh, you know. We we are all we're not chasing one carrot, right? But we recognize no. that. Our, we, we can get all the carrots if we work together um, right, and, right. And, and, and there are things that you know the, you know Jade has strengths that I don't have and, and Bridget has strengths that I don't have and when I, I need someone with those skills I know that I can pick up the phone and call that person in my network and it's not about us fighting over anything no it's a village yes. what I hear is that you all have created a village Yeah, you know what I'm saying and that's how it runs with and with that's the way the power pick up is. and hold you down. That's where yeah. the power. We have so much more power collectively when it comes, right. even when it comes to sort of mo- moving politically in spaces, networks as far as our professional opportunities. When yes. I'm looking for something, if I need somebody for something, you know, these are the women that I call, you know, and mm-hmm. I and I think there's so much power in building that. So I I would love if you could because. There are so many of us who feel like we have to sort of put all our eggs in one basket or we haven't found our tribe yet. Right. Um, right. And I would love if you can sort of speak to, you know, women who are in that space. Uh, what if I don't know who my people are yet? What do I do? What do I do? How do I find them? 
Well, that's a great question. I think it's hard. I mean, I think for one thing is you got to be willing to take some risk and you got to be willing to give um, what you're wanting to receive. And so sometimes I think people are like, I, I really truly believe in not having expectations that you're going to give back, like just give, like it's okay to. So even, even as you all have gone off to do incredible things, I've had several former students out in the field, y'all know y'all out rocking all kinds of things, reach out to me and say, Hey, we want you to apply for this. We'd like to, they want to reward me back. And I actually feel uncomfortable sometimes like, no, I don't want you to feel like you have to They're like, we're not feeling like we have to do that. We just think you would be good at this, whatever. And so I think what people ought to think about is what can I give to support somebody and start building those connections genuinely, not only, and it's okay to be thinking about how you can bring your skills together, but to also be okay about genuinely not having an expectation that something comes back to you. Just, kind of how you can help somebody else. And um, mm. if you're in a community, in a group where you all build that in, then that's okay. Be forthcoming about that. I have a lot of women in my life, as um, you know, I know uh, you all know this, who were in an investment club with me, all black women. We did financial mm. investing for 28 years and no one else was in higher. We were all in different fields. And it was one of the most productive groups because again, we needed a chef though. Jade, I wish I'd known <laughs> We had to go to the next next iteration. But I love that the women were in all and that enhanced my ability to think differently. And so take a risk and go outside of your field. If you haven't found your tribe, don't locate your tribe as in a narrow way. How can you network with, uh, uh, you know, how do you want to get that support in the community and just take some risk. And it's okay if it's a small group that builds over time, you know, I'm humbled. I genuinely am so humbled by, I do. I'm. I'm not ignoring the community that I've helped to build. I see that because it would be, it would be uh, unfair to the way in which I've been poured into divinely. Like I am very aware that I've been given certain gifts and abilities to manage the academy the way I had to. So I see it, and I see it more the last few years, the legacy of it. But what I'm really touched by is what I get from it. And you said it, Takia, because there's nothing I feel like I can't ask a question to my network and that's men and women. There's a lot of brothers who are yes. connected to that Very and people who are not black connected to that yes. network that when I put a question out, I'm humbled by how fast I get a reaction. And mm. I think about, wow, this is amazing. These are brilliant minds that are more brilliant than you could ever think. They're, and they're just starting. They're just there. Some of them are just, you all are just starting in your career. You're not, so where you're going to go. I had Takia running the federal government. Remember I told you you was going to yes. be running. She on told me SF? that many years ago. I, was I like, told her that. Right. So you could be, she now way past NFS, uh, NSF is not even on her <laughs> radar anymore. <laughs> you're going to be running in a national science foundation for those of you who don't <laughs> in another life. So I would Important. say to people trust, you got to trust some folks and you have to be willing to, um, give without feeling like you have to get something back. I genuinely think that's still important. Um, the Academy mm-hmm. sometimes is always transactional. Like, well, I did this for you and what are you going to do for me? And I don't think that's the best way to build the longer term. Um, now I'm not saying pour it all out and give it all away and never expect anything back because some people will take from you. I've definitely mm-hmm. had some experiences around that, but just genuinely, how can you help somebody else? I don't know if that answered it. Yeah, for sure. We'll have, well, um, one thing I wanted to say, and I was so touched by your story too, Dr. Robinson is, and I didn't, I don't think it made the book. I tried to make a, a case for it um, with our <laughs> publishers, but I think the biggest mentor you can have is yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think you have to be ready and open. And so what I heard you say, just as an example is, you know, I came to Maryland. I didn't know anybody. I left my family. I'd never been out of New York. I was scared. 
I was um, told I wasn't supposed to be here. I was told I wasn't smart enough or good enough. Um, but guess what? You did it anyway. Right. You did that before right. you even, you know, uh, mm-hmm. met with Dr. Sharon Freesbrook. You made that journey to Maryland and you decided to apply for a PhD program and you looked out for yourself and tried to find uh, a black woman mentor or somebody who could be compassionate, somebody that you could trust. And, and I feel like I did the same thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I went to Sharon and asked her to be my advisor. I asked her if I could work with her on research. I kept working with her and, and Mm -hmm. have stayed in contact with her. And I think that's often a piece that's that's missing, I think, for folks is they're waiting for people to come to them. Yeah. And they're waiting for um, somebody else to make them feel a certain way um, because right. they've lost how to that how to get in touch with their beauty and their gifts inside themselves. And so that's why I was also highlighting therapy. And, you know, I've done a lot of work over my over my life to counteract some of those tapes and messages. And I continue to have to do that. And I continue to pour into my daughter that this is daily work mm-hmm. that I have to do to, rem- to, again, remind myself that some people are out here trying to kill me and I'm not going to let them. Um, mm-hmm. And I am better than that. And I am worth, um, if I publish not a single other thing or teach not another class, I am worth um, so much. And so that's, those are the things that I, I wanted to also put into the mentoring network is that you have to believe in yourself enough to even ask for a mentor or to believe that you are worthy of a tribe. I love that. So glad you said that. Cause I think that's what most of us don't give each other credit for that. We actually had to make a bunch of decisions to get through this work by ourselves first. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh my gosh. This- we have had such an awesome conversation. I have really enjoyed every ounce of this. Um, I know. I just want to keep going. I know. <laughs> I want to listen to you all talk more. <laughs> it's so it's so rich. I love I love that. Um, just as a clothing note, um, one of the things I w- I'll have a question I want to sort of close out with. Uh, a friend of mine I've heard, I've heard her say in many in many spaces that she's always felt that her um, the most impactful mentors that she has are not women that she chose, but those women chose her. Mm. And it was about how her, her sort of being out in space, being herself, um, the women who wanted to pour into her or invest into her, um, you know, chose to do that and then, and then did that. And I, that, that's always resonated with me because I think there's a lot of power in, in being yourself. I think a lot of times us as young people, or even just when you're um, sort of starting out on a new path and you're in, in, in that apprentice space, you sort of feel this pressure to find the person that's going to teach you how to do it. Um, but what has been my experience is that when I when I have the, the richest connections that I have or when I have been when I feel safe enough to just be my total self in a space mm-hmm. without having mm-hmm. to sort of perform and put on airs like I deserve to work with someone because of what mm-hmm. I've accomplished. Um, just wanted to sort of throw that out there and sort of see what your reactions were to that. Uh, and if that sort of lines up with your De- definition and model of, of mentoring um, because that's something that, that I always remember. It's not about finding a mentor. Sometimes it's about being yourself and, and, and allowing the mentorship that you seek to find, to find you. 
Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And that's what I was trying to say, too. You said it beautifully around um, believing in yourself and and being your true, authentic um, self. And then that allows other people to be their true, authentic selves, which is how you can possibly, hopefully find your tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I was thinking of two women and then my I have to mention my mother, but she's not in this two first, but she's to me. it is the deepest message of that. But before I go to her, let me just say, Dr. Davidson, Marie Davidson, who was a senior administrator on campus, resonated with my fighting spirit. And when I was an administrator, she helped my vice president, um, white male boss at the time, understand how lucky he was to have a black woman on his staff who would tell him the truth. And so mm-hmm. she um, um, really uh, played a big role in really probably more than I realized keeping a space because she worked for the president at a time of truth-telling. Sharon's a truth-teller. Let her be a truth-teller. You're lucky. She's not just following. And then the other person I named my daughter after, Couture Carrie Harvey, when I was an undergrad at Maryland, she was a woman that I found by way of, she was the mentor to one of the athletes on campus, and I wouldn't date this athlete, and she wanted to meet. Who's the woman who kept saying no to this big fly? I won't date this athlete. I know, that's right. So she, after I turned him down a couple of times, she he came back to say, um, will you at least come meet my mentor? I was like, who's your mentor? I don't know. So I reluctantly went down to meet this woman. And she said, I just had to meet the woman who turned down and she named the athlete at the time at Maryland. And I was like, and we became bonded. And um, so I felt like she found me. But I want to end by saying I was raised by women who were generous spirits, who helped so many people. I found out at my mother's homegoing service. And I know how I was talked to my mother, was at my mother's feet all the time. We were very close. I still feel her spirit. She's um, passed on in 2008. I heard all these people talk about how my mother was there for them. I was like, how she have time? I was literally sitting at her home going, trying to figure out when she had time she to had do time all this. To everybody else. I knew how much time we were taking out, right? And I was in awe of her capacity. Mm. I was in awe. It, it could bring tears to my eyes now because I was raised by a woman who was so generous in how she gave to people time and genuine love. And I didn't feel like I missed a beat. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for my daughter, who I know knows she's loved and embraced. And so she kind of sees what I give out and she she sees the back back end of it. And she doesn't feel like she's lost anything. If anything, she gets the love then from all of you all because you all are extended family to her. And so I feel like... Yes, these, these women find you, your tribe will find you. Um, and for me, it's starting with my mother who wanted me and who raised me in a way that was just so deeply meaningful. So I have to have to shout out my my mom, Mary E. Freeze, who's still in spirit with me. Absolutely. Yes, Miss Mary. Yes, Miss yes. Mary. Shout out to the Marys. My grandma's name was Mary. She was the same I way. I know, I know. Yes. She yes. was the same so way. She was a Mary. So yeah. we love this. This is awesome. My huge takeaway is that mentoring is about generosity. It's more about giving than taking. And when mm-hmm. you give, yes. it comes back to you in the ways that you don't even know you need it. No. Thank you no. so much, Sharon Thank and Bridget. You. I can't tell so, you how so much, much this means to me to to invite you into this part of my work and my world and to have you validate and recognize it. You're absolutely right in that I was hesitant to share because I had been told that as an academic, I needed to make writing and publishing my priority. But I have come to learn and understand and believe that there are many ways in which our work can be disseminated and shared. And you being here and you, uh, it's just another way of demonstrating that, that you believe in me 
Um, so I can't tell you both how much it means to me to share this with you. And we will always have you will always have an open seat at the kitchen table should you choose to come back and kick it with Jade and Happy to. Jade, we want to do it in person with the meal. Yeah. Oh no. Listen, I'm happy. I'm when I come to DC, I'm gonna tell Key, I'm like call up all the doctors and tell them to come to the crib. Yes. I'm cooking. We're gonna have a yes. time. Have a- in my newly so renovated kitchen. In your newly renovated kitchen. I was trying to be cool, but I love you it. Have to come, oh, yes. We have, you have to come by this week so I can show you the new yes. additions that we've been I making. I cannot wait. I have something to bring by, so I will make that happen. I can't I wait. That's right. Love Hopefully you guys so fine. much. Thank you guys Thank you. for joining us. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. I All right, it's time for the self-care. And I have two this week, actually. So first up, you know, I've realized um, in the rush of life, in being in a global ponderosa, Mm -hmm. um, that I hadn't been to brunch in a minute, Mm. right? Brunch used to be like a thing. And I hadn't been in quite some time. And at the last minute, Antoinette was like, let's go to brunch. And I said, okay. And I went to brunch with Bobby and Crystal Jean and Antoinette and had a delicious meal and multiple cocktails and great laughs. And I said, okay, you know what? This was a good time. I don't need to do it all the time, but it's a good time when we do it. And I was glad that we were able to do that. You know, a good Um, brunch will do it. Ooh, with good food and good company and yes. good cocktails. Yes. And talk about a situation. Yes. We're older. We're too old for that at this point. Like, give me good cocktails on your menu. Yes. And when you mess around and have like, you know, you, you the sweet victory of like premier parking, comfortable yes. clothes. Yeah, you're in and out. You know what I love about a good brunch is that everyone is back in their respective homes at a reasonable hour. Plenty of time to unwind, get yourself set and situated for the next day without, you know, you you can sort of ease. You can hydrate properly so that you can just sort of recover. What a wonderful time. Now, granted, Antoinette didn't make this brunch three o'clock, which Crystal and I both com- collectively said, this is supper, sister, but it's It okay. is clearly, it um, is, we're skating <laughs> right on into dinner time. Yes, indeed. I didn't have to have another meal no, after no, no. we ate that We've, brunch. We're done for the day. But it's just wonderful to be like very staunchly in your adulthood to the point where, you know, you're going to go with people who are not arguing about the bill. You're not worried about a bottomless situation. You're more concerned with the quality of the menu items. You know what I'm saying? I like to have a cappuccino or a latte and I want to have cocktails and I want them to be good and I need the food to be good as well. And I don't want to worry about somebody going, I didn't have iced tea. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to be at that place in life where you don't have to worry about none of that because we had it 
least six cocktails each, oh, except good. Antoinette because she drove. Um, the other part, uh, the part B to my black woman self care mm-hmm. is, you know, every night. Uh, either Tristan or myself reads with Noah mm-hmm. and we said we just want to do this until she don't want to do it no more because it's going to be soon it's going to come soon so we each pick a book and like that's our book that we're doing so we recently just finished Charlotte's Web oh wonderful and it's really like kids are such a great way to relive certain things mm-hmm. and I don't mean in a traumatic like I'm living through my child but <laughs> It's nice to be able to revisit certain things through the eyes of your child and also with your new eyes. And so um, it was nice to read Charlotte's Web. It gave me an excuse to read Charlotte's Web again. So we just finished that and it felt good to do. And now we're going to pick up our next book. It's probably something in the Roald Dahl series. But, oh, because we did the whole Addie series. Oh, yeah. And then we did Charlotte's Web. Got to do that. And so I think we'll do a Roald Dahl next I've read Charlotte's Web no no fewer than ten times in my lifetime. Also, yeah, same, same. You're just, Salutations, yes. You got I to did do voices. That. Templeton the rat. I gave him a voice. <laughs> Charlotte had a voice. Wilbur had a voice. The sheep, the geese. Like I really did that. The arables. You yes, know what I'm saying? The Zuckermans. Yes. I really did my thing with that. What? Congratulations. <laughs> 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 she likes to imitate the geese. <laughs> All right, come on now. I'm still recording. I, you're not a delivery. I know. Thank you for quoting Templeton. Okay, come on now. Thank you every week. <laughs> you know, it's not a show if we don't have a... Uh, I, I, I will tell you later. Go. If Thank we you. don't have a cameo by ASAP Noah... It's not. A, it's not a getting grown. It's not episode. a getting grown episode. Talking it's about congratu- congratu- congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> because what's your self care? She is style? nothing but Jay's child. Okay, she really is not. I can't like it's. It's. I can't even deny it. Nothing but my uh, petty peeve. What am I talking about? My black woman self care. I need to go to bed, y'all. <laughs> my black She's woman self care is kind of ghetto. Okay, so just allow me it's if okay. you will. You know, the New Yorker in me, also the 80s mm-hmm. baby, right? Mm-hmm. And the auntie, because I'm also mm-hmm. standing squarely in that. Um, has an affinity for gold jewelry. <laughs> yeah, also, yes. Mm-hmm. And I love, uh, you know, you know, the New Yorker at heart, and I love a good nameplate, and I got me a real good double-plated. A thick double-plated name one. Yeah. I just feel so good about it. I love that for you, sister. I ordered it. It came with 14 karat gold. It's giving me all of the things that it gave when I was 12 and got my first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was just the little nostalgic something that I... What is it about 12? Because 12 know. is when I got my first door knockers. 12 is when I got my first nameplate. 12 is when I got my first name... Not nameplate ring, but initial plate ring. When we had it, it was in a heart and it had a yeah. J. I think yes. I was 12 when my father bought me that my, my first hugs and kisses set, the EXO, mm-hmm. the EXO necklace and bracelet combination. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe yep. that's just it's a New York girl thing. But in any case... I found, you know, you have to be careful and no shade, honey, because, you know, I'm a car. I have some costume jewelry pieces as well, but I have been searching high and low for 
the authentic 14 karat gold situation came across a brand that I said that I would test out and it came in the mail and I have just been over the moon um, yeah. about it. And so in self-care this week, I treated myself to a, a new necklace and I love I her. Love it's giving all that. of the ghetto feels that I had in the eighth grade. <laughs> and I just, it's the just soldier. good to be back. It's just good to be You're back. You're making me want to get a nameplate. Listen, I get, we, we got to keep a 14 carat on our neck. You know, I keep a layered situation. It's just who we are um, at this point. I will do, I, I will do a costume earring, but mm-hmm. I also keep my staples. Okay. These are from the, from the, from the hood spot. <laughs> they are, I think Period. they're 10 carat, but earrings, but you know, we've got to have our pieces. We've got to keep our pieces on. That's just what we do as aunties. And I love that sis. That makes me happy. Black girl joy. That's what that really is. Indeed. Black girl magic. All right. It's time to get negative. Let's head on over to these petty peeps. All right. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. honey. My petty peeve this week is not so petty, I feel. Okay. Especially as a Virgo, especially as a person whose Mercury is in Virgo, that means that I have effective communication. I know you're like, what does that mean? Well, I'm just, Um, thank you for providing some context for me. No worries. (laughs) But I get very, very, very frustrated with people who don't know how to effectively communicate and make situations harder than what they actually need to be. Um, Mm. And I'm recognizing more and more in the older that I get that that is that that might actually be a privilege at this point. The way (laughs) the way that people know can effectively communicate because I'm finding that I am encountering more and more people who don't. And it it gets you to the point where you start questioning yourself and you're like, am I crazy? Did I say this? And you got to go back and you're checking yourself and you're like, nope, dotted my I's and crossed my T's. So what the hell is wrong with you? I'm asking you a direct question. Mm -hmm. Why can't you give me a direct answer? I'm asking you something that's so straightforward and you are doing everything to parkour around (laughs) not answering this motherfucking question and making me feel as if I am crazy. And it is just, it seems to be a theme this week, and it's driving me absolutely mad that people, a good portion of people do not know how to effectively communicate. That's my petty peeve this week. Because what it does is it just, it takes up time, it takes up energy, because then you're you're trying to re-ask a question that has been asked in in the most direct way possible. You are calling a person out for what they are, and it just takes a certain level of energy that you did not, uh, you did not need to expel for that day. When we could have bang bang got this done 10 seconds you i asked you this you answer the question we both move on i have the information that i need to move forward with what i need to do and somehow people i think i don't know if it's that like people need the the engagement or they you know what it is and they just want to talk to you even if it's in a very frustrating way Mm. but i i have no explanation for it i just know that it's happening and it's driving me nuts that's my petty peeve well stated very well stated thank you um, my petty peeve, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show, mm-hmm. um, but generally speaking, right, I am consistently floored 
um, by the mediocrity. So like pri- privilege is such a, a, a thing, right? And yeah. I am floored by how hard some of us have to work really hard to gain access to the spaces that we have access to. Yes. Um, and, and, and there are things that we have to be attentive to and mindful of and ways that we have to negotiate certain spaces. And when we work so hard to get in certain spaces and we are met with mediocrity, oh, privileged so mediocrity, ways. something about that just gets my, I mean, burns my grits up. Grinds my <sighs> gears. Do you hear me? Grinds my gears. Um, the level of of polish, um, and attention to detail, and the stress that we have assumed and and, and also been placed upon us to sort of present in certain ways and perform in certain ways in order to be fit or qualified for certain certain spaces and titles uh-huh. and positions. To be mm-hmm. to get there and and realize that other people did not have to go through the hoops and challenges and hurdles and hardships that you had to to um, experience to sort of to, yep. to to and they have they they were just able to access. This. I mean, privilege is just a hell of a drug. It is. It is. And it's something that is so wild to sort of see in real life. It's like, what? And it's part of, like you said, because it never ceases to amaze us no matter no matter how much we have these conversations we speak every week i feel at this point about the ocean of 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 white supremacy, the sea of white supremacy. And it's just still dumbfounding every single time that we watch it play out. Mm. Every time. Every time? Every time. It's like, damn, I know y'all be wilding, but like when you start doing it in front of my face, it's like when you see something uh, something on the, on the news where it's like this, this is not something that happens on a normal basis. Um, and it's happening right in front of your eyes. You're like, damn, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Mm. I can't believe I get to actually witness this madness in person. Nuts. So yes, I feel for I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I love you. But mm. yes. And that is another episode of Getting Grown. Thank you all for tuning in uh this week. Um make sure you all check out the next episode of Bet on Black. We will be recapping every single episode this season uh so stay tuned for those we'll be talking about the winners the contestants our beautiful wonderful gorgeous hosts okay and and all things in between um so make sure you all check out bet on black recaps here oh yeah sponsored by target in our shout out segment uh it's a bet on black takeover um thank you so 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 much to dr freeze brit and dr turner kelly for coming and sharing space with us um i love that intersection where we're not always 
of the same backgrounds or the same career paths or what have you, but we've got those beautiful meeting places as black women. And to be able to have geniuses and brilliant women who have paved the way for so many, uh, such as our sister here, our dear, dear, dear sister, is just such an honor and a privilege to be able to share that space. So I thank you ladies so much again for coming and and sitting with us at the kitchen table and sharing your energy with us. You're welcome back anytime. Anytime. to tell the people what else to do. Listen, y'all, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And one of the ways that you can make sure that you're taking care of yourself is by moisturizing your mind, by worrying about the things that are your business and your business alone. Okay, don't get caught That's out right. here worried about other people's things. Okay, focus on yourself, Come worry about there. yourself. That's you also right. want to moisturize your insides by drinking as much of the Lord's water as you possibly can consume. Okay, drip. Splash. Age is out here coming for every one of our necks. Okay. Let's keep our the elasticity in our skin. Let's keep our complexions as clear as we possibly can Hmm. by nourishing and moisturizing our insides by drinking water. You also want to moisturize your largest organ, baby, your skin. Okay. Take take care of your skin. And you want to moisturize your skin, sis. It's very important to do that. Why? Combined all together, it is so that your black will not crack because it will if it's dry. Bye. Bye. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.